What's happening, man? What's up, champion? Not much, man. I'm just uh, I've been confined in this house for 23 straight days, man. You know, amid this pandemic, how have you been? Oh man, it's we just got put on. Uh, let me turn this mic down. Yeah, no worries, no worries. There we go. Yeah, we just got put on lockdown today, man. It's so uh, kicks off Friday morning. So everybody's been scrambling around here. We've been kind of like certain counties been on lockdown, but yeah. the whole state had. They finally went there today and um, locked it down. So, man, we're trying to get everything done. Yeah, I hear you, man. What's that? What state am I in? What state you in? Um, the state of Rhode Island. Yeah, northeast. Okay, okay. Yeah. So they got y'all on lockdown. How long y'all been um like that, man? Uh, I'd say just as long, maybe the last few weeks, I'd say, to be honest with you. At least two weeks. But I've been in here for, like I said, 23 straight days. I haven't left my property at all, you know. Actually, you know. Oh, my- wow. Yeah, right before we get started, yeah, my one of my uncles who lives in Massachusetts, right next door, um, was on the verge of not making it. He was in the hospital for a week and a half. Yeah, mm. until they gave him uh, this certain medication, you know, to give him like one last chance to maybe you know beat this thing. And you know, thank God, man, you know he, he was able to beat God it, and good. he actually got out of the hospital today. God so, yeah, good, yeah bro. absolutely. Absolutely. I like that shirt, bro. I like yeah. the hoodie. Thank you, man. You I'm feeling it too, man. It's comfortable too. Yeah, man. God is good. Absolutely. So tell me about you, man. What you um? You say you going to school for communication, man? What um? What are you involved in? Oh well, no. Well, for me, it's um. I don't know if you know who this entrepreneur is, Brian Rose. He's the creator of London Real. Yeah. So okay, okay. So he's created this empire where he's transformed his life from a banker in Wall Street to like helping millions of people all around the world achieve their, their dreams and goals. And he has interviews right. in his studio up in London where like extraordinary guests and celebrities and all that come into, uh, you know, have, you know, have Brian interview them basically. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's definitely, he's one of many people who's shaped me to do, uh, to push Amen. myself and be a better version of myself, you know? Hey man, so he mentoring you, man, and guiding you, or what? What are y'all doing together? So yeah, um, in in that regard, in that regard, um, we have like two meetings every week. It'll be two meetings a week for eight weeks, but one of those meetings are with him for an hour. And so whatever questions people have, he can only take in so many people because it's twenty six, twenty seven of us. So maybe like five, six people every session he'll speak to and try to help them, you know, um, take that next step towards you know launching their own uh, podcast and whatnot. So yeah, oh, that's but awesome, yeah, no, man. That's yeah, awesome. But yeah, it's been good so far. It's gotten better. Amen, yeah. amen, bro. So you having fun with it, man? Oh yeah, I am. Your yeah. yeah, actually, I'm actually doing two podcasts. I have a, a podcast on NFL football. I had a guest a couple of days ago. It was yeah, it was very fun. So yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, that's enjoyed awesome. Much. That's awesome. Well, we hoping they're gonna have a season, man. What's up with that? Like, we don't even know if they're gonna have a season this year. The way they talk. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy, right? It's uh, yeah. crazy, bro. Uh, yeah, timing will tell. No one knows when this pandemic is gonna is gonna die down. You know, but time will tell. Yeah, yeah, that's real. That's uh, real. I seen where they gave uh, a lot of the college athletes another year of eligibility for the spring. Yeah, well, that's fair. Spring sports, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. God, this is this is like unprecedented, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like what's going on right now? The whole world just shut down. I don't think there's any other time in history. Yeah. I mean, we've had pandemics, but the world didn't really shut down back then. Right. And I was like, everything's shut down. It's crazy, bro. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But um, God is still good, though. God is still good. Yeah, that's true, man. I have to um, 
Yeah, so yeah, right before I stop this recording, then we get to the real thing. Yeah, like I don't know about you, but like I find myself just having to sanitize everything, especially packages, because you don't know who's touching those packages right, right. when they're assembling it and having it shipped to my store. So yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm doing like the outside packages, even like the clothes or whatever's in the package. I'm like sanitizing the plastic wrapped, you know, around it. So yeah, it's crazy. right, right, right. But yeah, Man, just pray over everything, bro. Pray in the morning, bro. Say, God, you know, no mm -hmm. weapon point against me shall prosper. Right. No plague shall come near my dwelling, bro. And just trust him with that, bro. Yeah. Ain't nothing gonna happen. You pray like that with faith, but the enemy don't want none of that. You know right. what I'm saying? The enemy <laughs> don't want to come near that. Trust him. Right. He don't want to come near that. So he can only flourish, man, in in, in uh panic, fear, and, and this chaos that we got going on. That's the only way he can he can flourish, man. Where faith is, he stops. Mm -hmm. Feel me? So right. he can go all the way up to the edge of faith, and that's as far as he can go. So all we got to do is faith and environment. We take care of him right away. You know what I'm right. saying? So just uh, just trust God. He got you, bro. He yeah. got you. No, he definitely had he my uncle. You, so that's all I cared about as as of now. You know. Amen, so, bro. That's testimony right there. That's testimony. Mm -hmm. right. So let's get the cracking, man. What you want to talk about today, bro? Um, you are, I'm going to start off with an introduction and then, you know, um, I, you know, I did a lot of research on you, so we're just gonna, we're just gonna go with the flow and go from one step to the next, you know, we'll just elaborate on your life okay. story, have you talk, you know, I'll bring some stuff up myself. And then I have a, a few statements that I have, um, on the ground written down at towards the very end. Okay. And then, okay. yeah. So then, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, I, man. Let's rock and roll. Let's go. And then I have two uh, closing uh, questions that I'll have for all my guests in this personal development podcast. Okay. All right. Definitely, definitely. All right. So, uh, all right. Hopefully, I don't screw up my introduction. <laughs> no, you're good, bro. Let me let me ask you something. One more little question. If I mess up the very first time, okay. you don't mind if I, if I redo it? Man, do what you got to do, bro. Okay. I know uh, how it is, bro. We... Uh, we I'm a perfectionist, bro. I was in here hanging on um, some posters. So I was hanging on some posters, man. It took us an hour because, man, one was just a little bit off and that bothered me, yeah, bro. Like, like, so I get you, bro. Yeah. I get you, bro. Yeah, right. Do you, man. Do what you got to do. Right, do thanks, it many times you got to do it. All righty. All right. So five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everyone. This is the Execution Equals Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Fernandez, and today I have a very special guest with me. With his grandmother owning a music store for 25 years, his mother owning his mother owning a master's degree in music, and his father inducted into the Alabama Music Hall of Fame, he became a hip-hop artist for 17 years. Despite the money he was collecting, the women surrounding him, and the notoriety he built for himself, that void... That quote-unquote success never filled the void inside this man. But that void was nothing compared to the two unfortunate tragedies he suffered about 12 years ago, which caused him to plunge into a downward spiral. Oh, man, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, you good. You good. That's no, all good, brother. You, yo, you, you don't understand how do you understand how many times I read over that introduction just so I wouldn't forget it because it's it's a little long. It's it's somewhat long. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, detailed, but yeah. One day, yeah, it ain't gotta be perfect, man. Just kick it, bro. Just, right. yeah, we just keep it no, real. I, I, just like, I won't, like wait, I won't waste time, but you know, but I figured at least no, if no, I get it good. wrong the first time, I hopefully get it right the second time, you know? Yeah, All right. you good, bro. All right, man. All right, so five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everyone. This is the Execution Equals Excellence podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Fernandez, and today I have a very special guest with me. 
With his grandmother owning a music store for 25 years, his mother owning a master's degree in music, and his father inducted into the Alabama Music Hall of Fame, he became a music artist for 17 years. Despite the money he was collecting, the women surrounding him, and the notoriety he built for himself, this quote-unquote success never filled the void for this man. But this void was nothing compared to the two unfortunate tragedies he'd suffer about 12 years ago, which caused him to plunge into a downward spiral. Mental illness immediately creeped into this man's life, and for the next seven years, he'd fight an inner battle that robbed him of any happiness he was seeking. He desperately seeked uh, help from several different professions, which we will discuss about later, but almost nothing worked for him. Until one day he preached for the first time, which ignited an explosion, an, an crazy explosion that sparked his calling, and the rest is history. So allow me to introduce you to rapper turned personal development speaker, successful entrepreneur, and one of the top motivational artists in the world, Dr. Billy Allsbrooks. Welcome to the show, Billy. Yeah, You're my good. very first guest on my personal development podcast. How's it going? Man, God is good. Thank you for having me on, brother. It's an honor here, man. I, it's, an honor. it's more than an honor to have you on. Trust me. Thank you for taking the time. God is good. I love the shirt, bro. <laughs> Less than unstoppable. That's how we do. Yeah, right now, everybody man. needs that right now. Absolutely. You need to understand that aspect of it right now. <laughs> All right. So, Billy, um, before we get deep into your personal life, I just would like you to elaborate earlier in your days. So what, so I know you have a long, of course, a long family history of music within your family. Mm -hmm. So what really pushed you to start rapping? Um, if you want to take you back to your earlier days, maybe back in your school days when you started rapping, how did that go for you? Yeah, I had always been around music, man. From, from like the first week I was born, my mother brought me down to the music store and I'd sit with my grandmother while her and my father would teach, you know, music lessons, man. So like music was just all around me, anywhere I went. Music was, you know, such a big part of um, our lives growing up, and I had a great appreciation for it. You know, I played different instruments coming up in band and school and things like that, you know. Um, but when I hit, let's see, my sophomore year, I got in, I moved to, to South Florida, um, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, and I got introduced to, to rapping, to DJing, to making mixtapes. Mm -hmm. um, I actually was scheduled to play a baseball game at night um, after school. So I had like a four hour uh, layover between school and when this game started. So we were just killing time. I ended up at this this guy's house, a friend of mine, and he had a full DJ set. And he had a little name back then, you know, in the area, he was pretty hot. Like he was you know, kind of the hottest thing. And, um, I went over there one day and and started kicking the freestyle. You know, I used to write raps all the time and stuff like that, but never thought of it like a career, just, just kind of doing it, you know, on the side. And um, I kicked that first mixtape off, man. and we, we recorded it. We weren't any good. You know, I mean, it was like the first one we were, you know, that I had done. I wasn't even good. So, but um, I took that tape to school and I made some copies of it or whatever. And that first day I went to school, I sold all five copies that I had, right? And I was sold for $5 a piece. And at this time, my mother was giving me like $10 allowance, you know, a week to, to bust my tail, bro, doing all these tours. So, <laughs> Within an hour, I had $25, man. I'm like, hold on, but like, you know, for this, for doing what I love, right? You know, doing music, I'm like, hold on, something, you know, something, I just stumbled onto something. Yeah, felt good. So I went home that day and bought some more tapes, man. I bought a 10 pack, right? Came back the next day and I sold all of them. By the end of the week, I had almost $200. And I'm like, man, that's like 20 <laughs> weeks of a chore. You know what I mean? So like, I was sold, man, from then on, because I was, you know, I really love music. I really love writing and having this, you know, medium to express myself, man. And the rest was just history, man. I just, 
um, continued to focus on that day in and day out. That actually just became my life. You know, I was in sports leading up to this point, you know, um, all the way through high school, that in, you know, every sport that I played, things like that. And, and my goal was to play college football. But by the time I got to my senior year, it was about 50 50 because I, I was getting my name built up in this music thing. I'm like, ah, man, you know, something's popping over here. So um, I ended up choosing, um, I got a, I got a scholarship to play ball, Division three. My goal was to play University of Alabama because I was from Alabama, Crimson right? That was all I just had one dream. I, if it wasn't Alabama, it was all Alabama or bust. You know what I mean? I hear you. So I kind of run into the reality. I was five foot six, 140 pounds at that time. I wasn't, you know, play at University of Alabama. So uh, I, I pursued music. I went to the Art Institute and, and pursued music and, and video business, man. And uh, I did it at a high level. I grinded really hard. I was a little above average rapper. I wouldn't say, you know, I'm not Jay-Z. I wasn't, you know... Dre Eminem or something like that, but I could grind. Like I had the great equalizer. It was my work ethic. You know what I mean? I was just a little bit of average on rank, but bro, I could grind. You know, I could do, I would do the things that the other right. people wouldn't do. And I'd stay with it longer than people would normally stay with something. Like, you know, most people would promote a record, you know, two or three weeks, whatever, four weeks, a month, two months. And I'd stay on a record for a year and just right. grind and grind and grind until that thing broke, you know? And, um, you know, the street recognized that, you know, Universal language is grind. Wherever you go in the world, if you grind, people can understand that language. They, they'll respect it. Right. So, um, you know, I, I built up the credibility and, and um, opportunity to begin to open up. I had my own radio show. Got to produce with multi-gold and platinum acts. Um, songs hit Billboard. Was in the Source magazine, Vibe, XXL, like all the magazines, everything, bro. And um, it, that music life, you know, served me good for that season. You know, because, you know, I was buying into what the world said was success with money, fame, uh, women, cars, houses, all of that. Right. And I, I, I chased that aggressively. I thought that's what she says was. So I was aggressively chasing it, man. And um, but no matter what, I, like you mentioned earlier, no matter what I did in that business, no matter how, how, you know, how good I did or how many records I sold or how many songs got played on the radio or what. It just seemed like the boy kept getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. on the inside. You know, I couldn't figure this out. I'm like, I'm supposed to be happy. And then. I'd say, well, if I could just get one more record on the radio, if I could just sell one more album, I could just produce one more person, something would change on the inside, but it never did. You know, the entourage got bigger. You know, everybody wants to go to the club, right? To be in VIP, to get in, to ride the limos and all that, be on stage. Right. Everybody wants to get So the entourage got massive, but my true friends got less and less and less. You know what I'm saying? Cause, so that creates the void. Who can you trust? And, and people... The truth is, I knew people weren't there really for me. You know what I mean? Like, they were there, but they really weren't for me. But I would push it under the rug because I was empty on the inside. You know what I mean? So, like, you don't want to be alone, so you just put up with stuff that you don't, you know, you probably wouldn't put up with otherwise, man. And um, I chased it, man. 17 years, bro, and finally, man, God intervened. You know, um, I had a tragedy happen to me. My, my father passed away in front of me. Um, from a stroke and a, a blood clot, man, and that just derails that my life went in a totally different direction. Yeah, you so, know. Take yeah, take me a little bit back to that day. This was on December eighteenth, two thousand seven. You got a call about twelve thirty a.m. from your uncle stating right. to rush right. over from Florida to Alabama, knowing that you- yeah, I, I actually got the you know he actually had the stroke on the seventeenth late at night, um, but twelve thirty, which would have been the eighteenth, is when I got that call, right. man, and. Uh, I got that call that nobody wants to get, mm. you know, 1230 late night, 
you know, I saw the phone call come up, you know, on my, my ID and it was my uncle. And I was like, I know something's wrong here because me and my uncle really didn't talk like that. We didn't have any, any issues or anything. We just didn't talk like on a regular basis. And of course not at 1230 at night. Mm-hmm. So I knew something was, you know, up. And sure enough, I picked the phone up and, you know, he's, he's like, you know, I got some bad news for you. Mm-hmm. You know, your dad's had a stroke and it's really, really serious and critical. And he's in the ICU and you need to get up here, you know, to Alabama, like ASAP, like right now, because they don't know if he's going to make it or not. So me and um, my wife and, you know, we packed the bag up in 15 minutes, man, we on the road. We hit in Alabama, it's, you know, 12 hour drive. And this is the way the enemy does it. You say about something here. See, like I was about to go into the spiritual war of my life. Right. And I was about to enter into it on no sleep. Because, see, I, I, it's 1230 at night. I haven't slept because I'm up late night. No big deal. But now all of a sudden, now I got to drive 12 hours to Alabama straight up with no stop. And then once I get there, then the war is going to jump off. So this is how the enemy does it. It's not like he comes to us and, and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to attack you tomorrow. So make sure you get red. Yeah. Make sure you eat right. You know, he doesn't do it like that. He's blindsided. So you always got to stay ready, man. And um, I entered into that war just like that war down and battle before I ever got there, man. And, you know, my dad... Uh, was in critical shape, just like my uncle has said. But for 12 days, um, I sat by him just about 20 hours a day, 21 hours a day. I was sitting right next to him, um, encouraging, trying to, you know, to get him back, thinking I could wheel it back. You know what I'm saying? He had a stroke, so he couldn't move his uh, right arm or right leg. was gibbering. You know, all his speech was, you know, gibberish, you know, words out of order, all that kind of stuff that happens with the stroke. And, um, but I was, you know, I was like, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna ask you. So, did this happen after the nurse and yourself lifted him, lifted him up from that from the bed? No, no, no. This, this happened first. So he started getting better, right? Oh. For twelve days, he was getting better. So he progressed out of the ICU um, from the hospital, and they put him in this um, rehabilitation center down the street. It's like a nursing home slash rehabilitation center. They were like, "We've got to get him in therapy so that he can get his arm and and leg, you know, get the motion back to be able to move these things." So, um. On a Sunday, I went over there, which was the 12th day. I went over there on a Sunday, and um, the doctor came in and was like, you know, we need to get your dad out of the bed and put him in a wheelchair and get him outside, let him get some sunlight. We've got to get him moving. You know, he's been in his bed for 12 days, the muscles are weak, and if we we want to have any shot at getting him back to normality, we've got to get him moving, right? So me and the nurse thought we were doing a good thing. We, we, we lifted my father up, put him in the wheelchair, and what nobody knew, the doctors, nobody knew, he had a had a blood clot in his leg. So when we did that, you know, from him sitting there, you know, 12 days and the blood not moving, the clot had formed. So when we moved him, the blood pressure changed in his body. The the blood clot broke from his leg, went straight to his lungs, and he started, you know, having trouble breathing. 10 minutes later, you know, I see him die right in front of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, complete transition, everything, and there's nothing I could do, nothing the doctors could do. It's just basically sitting there watching, you know, somebody who meant the world to me, somebody who would raise me from the time I was, you know, just starting in this world until that point, man. And just to see him, you know, in that state helpless and not able to help him, man, it was just traumatic, man. It was just totally unexpected. I coming there on that Sunday morning thinking he's getting better and better. You know, oh, we're about to get out of here. And next thing I know, 10 minutes later, we I'm, I'm having to make funeral arrangements. You know what I'm saying? So it was like a total shock on my system. And uh, the, the way he died traumatically like that, unexpected, man, it caused PTSD in me. It caused panic attacks, man. And for the next seven years, I had a panic attack every single day. I mean, it just took everything from me, man. I went from 
being on stage in front of 20,000 people with a mic in my hand to being in my bedroom for two weeks at a time, scared to come out that I was going to have a panic attack, man. I went to the hospital 12 times in nine months, man, thinking I was going to die. You know, panic attacks is real. I don't know if, you know, you know, your listeners out there who's listening, but if, if, if you don't know what a panic attack is, it's the worst amount of fear that you could ever possibly imagine in your mind. And imagine that fear like you're going to die. And just imagine it stretching out for hours at a time and you're not being able to do anything about it. And this, you know, it's like the enemy had took over my mind, man. Right. Was playing tricks on me. Every time I would twitch in my arm, I think, oh, I'm dying. I'm having a stroke. Or I'm going to have a heart attack. Or, you know, it, my mind went into like self-defense mode. You know, it was like, I got to protect you. My mind, anything that, anything that went on, man, it was like, boom, instant, man. My, I got fear just running through my veins. You know, I had said my last words to my, my wife man, about 30 times, bro. Like thinking this was like, okay, this really? is the last word I'm gonna say to her. Wow. And I, you know, and I say this, it was that much fear, you know? It completely robbed everything from me, man. I that I had worked for for 17 years. I had a lot of money put up. I had businesses, you know, all throughout the town. Mm-hmm. But man, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be involved and engaged in those businesses like I was before, right? Because of feeling struggle, man. So for seven years, man, my money, my businesses, everything just went like this, man. It's, it's like a death by a thousand cuts, you know, every single day. You know, we talk about social distancing today, you know, for like two weeks or a month. Man, I did this for seven years, wow. bro. Like, and, and, and really thought I was going to die. I wasn't like, well, I might get sick if I walk out the door. No, I really thought I was sick. So for seven years, man, this this thing was like just, just a nightmare for me, man. Wow. But um, the thing is, the greater the struggle, the greater the destiny. Mm-hmm. See, the enemy was trying to get me because he knew what God was about to do. And, you know, see, like, my, my, each, each and every one of us has a gift, you know, a natural talent, a natural ability, Absolutely. a natural gift that God gives us to use Absolutely. for building his kingdom and purposes, right? And mine was my mouth. Mine was writing, creating music, right? Okay, so the enemy knew that. So, like, he had the first 17 years of my life. He's like, I'm going to use that mouth because I was, I was working for the enemy, man. I was promoting the drugs, the gangs, the violence, the pimping, and just all of that. I was promoting his life. The world of destruction came out of my mouth. And um, with the same authority and the same grind and the same hustle that I speak, the positive with now, I was speaking, you know, for the enemy back then. So he was trying to derail me. But this situation that made me stop, the seven-year war, man, it, it made me stop what I was doing. And I had to go inside and I had to find the real me, the one God made me to be. Now, I would have never want to go through that seven-year struggle again, but I wouldn't be doing what I do today. Wouldn't be impacting, wouldn't have best-selling books, wouldn't have, you know, the following, all this stuff, and wouldn't be out there on, you know, impacting people had I not went through that struggle. So it's like, you know, I would never want to go through that again, but I understand that's what made me, man. We're products of the struggle. It's all how we frame the situation and, you know, what happens to us. It's all about our response. You know what I mean? For seven years, it was like, poor me, poor me, poor me. Why me? Why me? Like my, my framing and all that was wrong. Right. And finally, man, just God got a hold of me, man, you know, and, and turn that thing around. It got so bad. I went to six, seven different therapists, you know, from Harvard to local college. I tried everybody. You know what I mean? I went to grief sheds. I got baptized. I went to church therapists. I went to um, recovery groups. You name it. I went to everything trying to find my my healing because it literally, like I said, it robbed everything from me, man. I was basically, all the friends was gone, which I thought was friends anyway, right? And like I mentioned to you about the music business, they really weren't friends anyway. Yeah, like, It friends. got so bad. I called AT&T one time. I remember this, brother. <laughs> I called AT&T and I said, hey, I need y'all to check my phone. Something wrong with it, right? So they were like, Okay, we'll check it. And they, you know, they ran their scans and all that. And 
They said, no, everything looks good. You know, why do you think something's wrong with your phone? I said, well, it had rang in two weeks. You see what I'm saying? Like all the friends, you but everything call me, was like, fine, right? Time of the day. <laughs> yeah, like when it was all good, like you know, you know, when I was in that rap life and all that, everybody wanted a piece of that, man. But now all of a sudden, I need something. I need, you know. Then I got to see who was really around me, who was true, and who wasn't. You know what I'm saying? Right. So basically, I got down to nothing, man. And my my wife didn't give up on me. My mom didn't give up on me. But that was about it, bro. You know what I mean? Like it was just us down to them two, and really. Since the battle was in here, nobody really could get in there with me anyway. So in the end, I was really alone, just me and just, you know, trying to, to fight this thing, man. No matter where I went, the enemy went with me. So, you know, it's not, not like I could go to some safe haven, you know, because wherever I went, it's in my mind. So I'm carrying, you know, I'd have panic attacks in church. I'd have them at the restaurant. I'd have them no matter where I went, the mall, movies, no matter what, man, it just took over my life, you know. Mm-hmm. And I tried everything I could do, everything they told me to do, medications, treatments, all of that. And um, none of it worked. It seemed like I just kept getting worse, man. You know, I prayed every day. I did all this. Nothing worked, bro. So finally, man, I cut a deal with God. Hey, you know, brother. I'm out walking one night. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Continue. For, were you going to say it right there? Yeah, I, I was out walking one night praying to God because I was like at the end of me. Right? My money was almost gone. Everything was, you know, like no friends or nothing, all this. And, and I don't see any progress. And it's been years now, bro. I, I don't even remember the first person I was before this because it's been that long. Like that person was like a, you know, like an illusion, a dream. Like, it didn't exist no more to me. So I'm out there with God and I'm like, Lord, I'm at the end of me. I don't got nothing else to give you. You know, it's just me and you. And I said, I tell you what, I cut a deal with you. I was like, if you heal me, because I know you got the power to heal. I read, I read your word. It says you can heal. If you heal me, I go out and tell the world who did it. And boom, that was that was the thing he needed, the invitation. See, the desperation leads to the invitation, divine intervention. Bro. And he came in, and he honored that. Now, it wasn't like one night, okay, I was sick, and the next day I was healed. No, I still had to go through the struggle. It's still a process, right? But from that moment forward, things began to shift, like a small little momentum shift every single day as you know, my recovery mm-hmm. uh, began to happen. Right. So I know so far you've mentioned a lot about your your struggle and you've had plenty of struggles as as mm-hmm. you and I know and um he's also he's also talked about how you've had to shift your mindset once you mm-hmm. found your calling once you found God but take me back to the wake you know I I'm just looking you up I found out you know you did hear a mm-hmm. lot of great things that your father did that you weren't aware of that right. your father did for other people you know and helping them you know you right. I know you did mention that um you know, they picked up some one person got picked up at 2.30 a.m. in the morning when no one else would come mm-hmm. to pick them up. He taught right. someone's sons, you know, how to play a guitar and they were singing it, writing songs and singing in churches. You know, he helped other people with substance abuse and alcoholism, especially visiting churches. Right. You know, he had that humanitarian spirit in him, especially after right. he got sober himself. But what was right. but one thing that was very important, I found out is. The, are the things that you didn't hear those people at the wake talk right. about? Can you please elaborate on that and that and tell me right. how that really shifted your mindset going forward? Right, you know, up until this point in my life, is before my pre, when my dad was still here, um, you know, pre this this tragedy that I went through, you know, I had one set of goals, you know, and, and vision for my life with money, playing women, as I mentioned earlier, and I thought this is what success was, and I thought, okay, if we do this. And people will love you, people respect you, and you'll do right, and blah, blah, blah. But his death made me question all the things that I had bought into before that, 
that the world hadn't told me about. You know what I'm saying? Like when, we, when I watch these videos growing up and the people I idolized, that's what they were showing me. Like, look at his car, look at his mind, look at this, this is what it's supposed to look like. You know what I mean? Like this is what the world tells us, man. But there's a cost for all of that. And I didn't understand that. So the the thing that began to shift and how God began to reveal um, things to me, he did small steps, man. The first day uh, after he died, I went to the funeral home, right? And uh, my grandmother had bought these plots out there where, where um, he, she bought four plots. My grandfather had already passed away. He was in the ground. There was one for her, one for um, my father, and one for me. So when we get over there to the funeral home, the direct, director like, come on, let me show you where your dad is in my life. So we go out there to, you know, to the spot, and he's like, there's your grandfather. Here's where your grandmother's going to lay. Here's where your dad is going to lay. And here's where you're going to lay. <laughs> right? Now, that meant a lot. Because the day before, I just seen my father die, right? So when he said, here's where you're going to lay, I understood now what that meant. Because I'd been to, you know, 20, 30 funerals, man, people, my homeboys knocked off, killed, gang violence, all of that, drug ODs. But it never really registered with me that I was going to die. You know, we always push it like somebody else is going, you know, that happened to them. Like, it's foreign to us. We're Superman and nothing going to happen to us. And um, this thing was like, whoa, I'm going to die one day. And it made me confront that. Now, two days later, we're having a wake, as you mentioned, right? My father's laid out, in, you know, in the funeral home there, and people coming up and saying things about him. And, you know, what I didn't mention earlier was growing up, my dad was an alcoholic. Now, he was a great man, but he had a vice. He had a struggle. We all have something we have to overcome. And growing up um, through my middle school years and high school years, my dad did just struggle with alcohol. If he had one drink, one drop, it was done. He couldn't stop. I mean, he'd be literally... Um, drinking all day till he passed out, sleep a few hours, get up, still in that state, and continue to drink until he was passed out. And this would be three weeks. There would be no going to work, no coherency, no talking, no nothing. He was just out and gone. And the only reason he was stopped would we, you know, we'd have to, my mother and me would have to hide the keys, hide the money so he couldn't get some, you know, go to the store to get more liquor. So he would go through the shakes and, and, and the DTs, they call them, the tremors and all that trying to get back um clean and sober again and it was and this cycle would happen every two to three months he'd be sober be doing he'd get a new job he'd do really good because everybody liked him uh he'd do really good about two to three months and then boom he'd relapse and it was like three weeks he was gone i mean just like basically we, we just couldn't count on him for nothing man but my senior year my mother had enough she didn't know what to do because um, he'd been to all these treatments too and not had recovery and he couldn't, couldn't seem to find it she divorced him my senior year and the day she divorced him, he never drank another drop from that day forward. For the last 15 years of his life, he never drank a drop. He got he got clean, he got sober, and then he started going out and helping others, you know, um, recover. So what what in about that divorce shifted your father's mindset to finally change his life? Well, I think he finally had a why, it. man. We always talk about in the personal development where you got to have a reason, a motive for, you're right. you know, yeah, for what it is right. you're doing. So like he um. His motive was getting his, his son back, getting his wife back, getting his family back. Because at the core, he really was a good man. He wasn't a violent drunk or anything like that. He was the opposite. You know, like he would kind of become docile. Now, on his side of the family, all of my uncles and my grandfather and them had this issue. Like alcoholism ran in the bloodline. All of my uncles had it. But they had it in different ways. Like my, my grandfather, he was violent. My, um, my other two uncles, they could drink. They were what we call functional alcoholics. They could drink all night, get drunk, but the next day go to work. My dad, now he couldn't do that. If he, like I said, if he had one drop, he could just wave, you know, wave three weeks by. It, you know, it was done. Um, but I'm sitting at this wake, and what really began is God began to 
push things on me, to show me, reveal to me in ways that I would have never been able to understand otherwise. Uh, he's laid out. And um, people that come out and talking about him, and, and they say, you know, your daddy came and got me on the side of the road at 2.30 in the morning when nobody else had come get me. You know, I was drunk. I've had two DUIs. If I got called in and I'd been in prison, your daddy came and got me. Another one say, you know, it's 4.30 in the morning. You know, I called everybody in town. I'm in jail. Nobody would come. My own family wouldn't come get me. Everybody gave up on me. Your daddy didn't give up on me. I recovered, and I'm back now. You know, I'm, I'm back, you know, sober and living life the way I was supposed to live because of your daddy. Another one say, you know, uh, me and my wife were at the table with the divorce, you know, paperwork. They're about to sign it. Your daddy said, don't do it. It's 10 years later, and we still together now because of your daddy. So, like, <laughs> they were nice. saying these kind of things, and I didn't know about it. Like, my daddy, you know, with the, you know, being in that alcohol um, recovery and stuff, like, and most of it was anonymous, right? He just didn't say other people's problems, right? So he never mentioned this kind of stuff. He'd just be like, oh, I'm going to see a friend or I'm going to help somebody, blah, blah, blah. He wouldn't say what it was. So now I'm actually getting to see what he was doing. I never knew this stuff. And the things that I wasn't hearing at this wake, man, that was shocking me and really changed me was nobody was saying anything about the things I had been chasing in that rap life. Right. Nobody said, boy, your daddy had nice rims. <laughs> you know, nobody said, boy, your daddy showed him make it rain at the club. You know what I'm saying? Sure? Oh, boy, did you see your daddy's watch? Like nobody talked right. like, yeah. about what he Correct. sold into other people's lives. That was the only thing that was important. That was the only thing that mattered, man. So I was like, okay, our real network is what we sold into other people. Absolutely. The real question is, are we leaving the world better than we found it? You know what I'm saying? That's the real truth. Now, I'm not against money. God is not against money. You know, remember the Lord that God for the assembly gives you the power to gain wealth. So he's not against money. He's not against us owning things, but he is against them things owning us. And at that point in life, all that fame and notoriety, women are, that stuff owned me. You know what I'm saying? So at, at this wake, I began to see differently. It began to shift my mind and say, you know, I got it all wrong. It's all about legacy. Because, you know, when I was at the funeral home, the, the director said, what do you want to put on your daddy's headstone? What do you want to write in obituary about your daddy? That's something I never thought about. Because up until this point, my daddy was in what I thought good health. You know, he'd been sober 15 years, never went to the hospital, never sick, nothing. But 63 looked 53. Got around good. Nobody even could believe it, right? Because it was just such a shock. So I started to have to think, you know, like, what would he want on the headstone? And what would he want in this obituary? But at the same time, my mind is still out of that plot where the funeral director said, here's where you going to lay to me. It's still going through my mind. So I'm realizing, like, one day they're going to be saying, what do you want to put on Billy's headstone? What do you want to put in Billy's obituary? Mine, right? So I'm like, what would I want on those, you know, on these uh, ending statements about myself? And when I started examining myself, I said, if I die right now, what would they put? And I was, I, I wasn't happy with that answer. Realize a man that would run over anybody, didn't care about anybody, all he cared about himself, never helped nothing, just cared about money, fame, you know, like just a, a complete selfish existence. Right. That's it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, what are they going to say? Oh, you know, <laughs> here lies Billy. He helped me get in the club tonight. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't want that, that kind of answer, man. So I knew right then I, it was about legacy. Like I was gonna have to change the way I was living. Like I've been living all people. wrong, and you know, go ahead. <laughs> and when I was and say, in one billion people is the goal. One billion. That's right. Yeah, I got that later on, man. When, when I started. Uh, yeah, please explain know, to that understand. to me. Please explain to me why Which, one billion people worldwide. Man, God just moved on me mm -hmm. with the verse with God, all things is possible, and um, 
one day I'm I'm looking at some of these former rap guys that I had been with, right? And you know, I seen a billion views and a billion this and a billion that. And this was on garbage, the same stuff that I was spitting. You know what I mean? Like destructive type of content, you know? And it was like, you know, if the devil would do that for them, how much more would God do it for the kingdom? And, you know, I, I kind of put him in a box up until that point because um, I figured the, the goals that I had set then, the millions or whatever, I could do because I'd already done it in music. So I really didn't have a place for God to get get an equation, man. So, like, if your goals are set to, the you know, the limits of your own ability, you haven't invited God in, right? So mine was like, okay, what do you want me to do here, Lord? Set it be, and I'll let you in. So I know it's not me that accomplished it, right? So I know how far I could go, but that's the end of the line. But I'm going to set it really high and let God get involved because God, you know, is so excited to get involved in our lives. But we box him out with this small time thinking, we do. right? We say, oh, we do. you know, we got to set our goals and our dreams and our legacy, not not to the level of our own ability, but to that of the God that we serve, man. So he, he come in one big, boom. Now I know I can't do that. So when we do this, Billy can't take credit and say he did one big, right? Billy can't do that, but my God can. That's why it's, you know, one billion people and to God be the glory, because I can't do that. So by setting that go hard and, and high and, and and allowing him to come in, now I know I'm functioning under his command and not my own authority. Man. Right. And I the thing so, I really like about that is even if you don't reach that mark, let's say let's say something happens tomorrow, you don't reach that mark. I mean, it always gives you something big to keep chasing and you never become satisfied for it. So I like that. Let's be thinking. real clear right here. I'm going to reach that mark because God is in me, right? We, <laughs> failure is not an I option, believe it. I right? believe it. That's right. See, see, <laughs> as believers, man, and, and the world changes, bro, we we refuse to concede to any other outcome than the one we believe for. There is no 999,999,000. That ain't it. Now, if there's going to be a difference, it's going to be on the plus a plus of B. It's not going to be on the other side. And here again, like I, I say, it's not my own ability. I'm not saying that. But I trust my God to do what he said he would do. And he said, with God, all things possible, bro. So I'm buying in 120 into that, and I'm going to let him do his thing. Now, I might die today, and today I'm not at 1 billion, but my work will live on until it reaches what I believe God for. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, like the, the books that I got continue to move and continue to, to circulate the globe. That stuff is going to reach this goal that we put in motion right here, whether I'm here or not. That's the whole purpose is to leave the world better than we found it. Once we go, this work needs to live on and continue to you know, multiply and impact other people who will go on to impact other people. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, one billion, bro, we all in on that. Uh, it sounds good. I, I, I respect it. I respect it. All right, so Billy, um, I want to jump into um, one particular um therapist that you had a history mm -hmm. with but before i do that you did mention the fact that you went to see like professional help you know i know you went to see some mm -hmm. um psychologists some therapists mm -hmm. some doctors who right. prescribed medication that did not work and even some um people in the church industry like pastors or preachers mm -hmm. who you did not yes. have a special connection with and you, you mm -hmm. know, I know it may have been for that reason alone, or even in some cases, you felt like they were showing up just to collect a paycheck. Um, right, like, what was right. what was going through your mind when you when when you thought about that? Basically, what were, what was going through your mind? Man, I, you know, I had so much guilt in me, you know, for moving my dad the way I did that day when he passed. I blame myself. I'm like, you killed your dad, even though the doctor told us to do it. I still blame myself, like you know, like 
if I hadn't been in a hurry and, you know, if I, I was doing, so I had this massive amount of guilt put on, you know, and it also, part of me was mad at God too. I'm like, why did you do this? You know, to my dad, why you ripped my whole life away? But at the same time, I was closer to God than ever, but I'm close enough to be yelling at him, mad at him now. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was like mixed emotions, man. And, um, when I would go into these therapists, man, I was in a dire situation, man. The um, first time I went to the hospital was the day my uh, my grandfather passed away, and I, w- I was a um, pallbearer at the, at the at the funeral. And just being in that environment triggered back to when my father had died. That was like the thing that started, these, you know, panic attacks in motion. And that first night, I thought I was going to die. I went to the emergency room and had a really, really great doctor. Um, up there, I was in Alabama again because my grandfather was up there that passed away, and I uh, had a really great doctor, an old guy, man, been around for years. And he comes in, he made me feel good because he's like, son, you know, he calmed me down. He reminded me of my dad and my grandfather. He calmed me down. It's like, son, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. We've done all the checks. You know, what you're having here is a panic attack, and I didn't understand what I was, you know, feeling. But he was explaining how it worked. It's the first time I'd had any knowledge or even known about something like this. You know, he's like, this is how it works. He's like, when you go back to Florida, go see a counselor and, you know, they'll work you through this stuff. You know, you won't have these anymore. Uh-huh. So when I got back to back to Florida, I started going to see counselors. But the ones I was going to see, man, I just didn't feel like they cared, man. Like, I, you know, I, when they come in, it was just kind of like, you know, okay, fill this question here out. You know, you're going to be here for an hour and you're going to do this for like 10 weeks before we even start to help you. You're just going to tell me what happened for 10 weeks. And it was like, I just didn't feel that connection. And at that point in time, as sad as I was, the president I was, in that dark moment as I was, I needed someone to put your arms around me, bro, and say, I got you. I feel you. You know what I mean? And these guys just wasn't doing that, you know? And I don't blame them. I'm not saying, you know, anything bad about them, but it just wasn't the right fit for me. Right. You know? And God worked it all out for his good anyway, because the, the last one, as you mentioned, I found the right one. After I prayed that prayer and said, if you heal me, Travis, I go out and tell him to Travis, right? Mr. Travis. That's right. Travis, Travis bro. He, he sent the right one that I needed because, <laughs> see, Travis wasn't just a therapy, uh, therapist or a counselor. He was also um, a mentor and also preparing me for what I'm doing today. He gave me understanding of the mind and the way it works and um, some things that I needed to do what I'm doing today and to really break it down in a way that I can understand. And he actually took the time to do it. Like, it wasn't just like, okay, you're in here for an hour and you're gone. He'd be like, okay, our therapy's for an hour, but we can go talk about the mind and, like, uh, how it works and all this stuff. You know, we get done or whatever. If you, you got some questions where we think we can do this. So I built that relationship up with him as a friend and mentor, man. And he, I began to get better, but we continued to have these talks, man, about psychology and, and um, therapy and how, you know, how the mindset, it, you know, can be reprogrammed and all these kind of things. When I got this deep study, um, and understanding from him that I would have not gotten from anyone else, probably. So, it, although it seemed to me like chaos, because I went through six or seven before I found him, it was perfectly and strategically designed for what I'm doing today. Nice. Um, so, please take me back to the time when Travis, well, I'll start off by saying Travis at one point suggested you become a pastor, correct? Right. right. But- he used to call me that all the time, man. <laughs> Way before I even thought about it. Bro. Way before I even thought about it. All right. So, so now, um, there was a one point in time when you felt like you you wanted you wanted to become a pastor, and but however, there was a time when you had a uh, 
a little business on the side, like a side also that you deviate away from selling music accessories, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Right, I know right. you, so you put that to a side and you took that leap of faith of trying to get closer to God and preaching, right. well, um, which right. led to, which led to one day a Florida Christian representatives coming to the Monday meeting churches you were in for at mm -hmm. least a couple of years. And, you know, you just knew in that time that, you know, that was what you wanted to do. That's what you had to do. But as right. you got home one day and explained it to your wife, I know you guys, she was hesitant about that because you guys were in a financially tough situation. And it mm -hmm. take me take me through that moment, that day of what happened. And after that, basically, when you got down to the booth, your own booth, if you will. <laughs> well, this whole trial and tribulation brought me back to God, mm -hmm. you know, like when I was growing up, my mother and father had me in the church. So I was about 12, 13. Okay. You know, 14. Then they gave me, you know, the decision. You can make your own decisions now. You know, if you want to come to church, you come, whatever. They sold the right stuff in me. They didn't force it upon me, but th but they put me in a place that I could have those seeds sold into me that I could learn right from wrong. And they were hoping for the best that I would choose God. Well, when I got 13, 14, I'm in their rap life, and nobody that I'm looking up to is in church. They're like, oh, they square over there. They, they're not cool, whatever. So I kind of drifted away, man. I just didn't really... uh you know, take that path. Now, I always believed in God, bro. Even when I was in that lifestyle, man, I would pray before we went out in the strip club and go perform. You know what I mean? But we like, hold up, let's pray, bro. And then as soon as I got the mic in my hand, it was Papa Bill now. We all ex girl. You know what I mean? Oh, like man. this was my mentality. I, I was a baby, just didn't understand and, and believe I was a baby. What they call baby Christian? Like I believed in God. You couldn't tell me He didn't exist, but I wasn't making that sacrifice. I wasn't making that commitment. I wasn't, you know, doing those things. But um, this this thing brought me back to my roots, man, what, what my mother and father had planted in me. So I got this word with me everywhere I go, man. I take the, the Bible, man, everywhere I go, because there in the beginning, that was the only thing I was holding on to, man. I was like, boy, God has got to get me out of this because ain't nobody else able to do it. So I carried that Bible with me everywhere I went, not as a pastor, not as a preacher, out of protection, like self like I'm like this. You know, I'm gonna die. I need, I need God here. You feel me? Absolutely. So, like they always say, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? And I was in a wartime, right? So I got this Bible everywhere I go. I bring it to counsel with me, and that's how Travis got domestic with me. He'd be like, oh, it's pastor, right? Because I always had the Bible with me. every time he seen. It'd be at a restaurant, or something. I had that Bible with me, you know, because I, man, I was having these panic attacks. Man, I went, you know, from having a one time a day to four times a day to seven times a day. So, man, I just had this with me at all times. Man, I was like, nice. I gotta have this. You know, without God, I'm, I don't stand a, sh a chance. And uh, so he got to calling me, joking around all the time. and would say, Pastor. And I just kind of laughed because I was like, I didn't see past in my future, anything like that. Like, I trusted God, but I'm like, bro, I've been saying all this garbage. How am I going to look up there saying something about God after saying all the stuff that I've been saying? You know what I mean? And nobody's going to take it from me. So uh, he started saying that and kind of sewing that over me. But I had no intention at that time of, of doing it. Um, I started going to this men's group on Monday night, as you mentioned, at the church. Um, that was a, a, a safe haven where I could go around people that's kind of like, you know, they understood what I was going through. Um, and they kind of huddled around me, be like, you know, brothers, protecting me, man. We're going to pray over you. We got you in prayer. Just stay strong. And, and every Monday night I go. This was kind of like, you know, some some real friends that love me, not because of who I was as an artist or what I could do for them, but because they was real brothers in Christ and they, and they loved on me. And I needed that, you know. But here again, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be a pastor. It was just like, I'm going there because I need help, man. And um, what you mentioned that on a Monday night, our, our 
church uh, invited in this college. They were starting this new program where they were bringing in a um, Christian college to do ministry and Bible theology teaching where we could get your degree through the church. So they had orientation one Monday night. So I went in there to the orientation. Now, I went to the orientation, not to be a pastor, not to be a minister, but what I was doing still wasn't working. Like I was going to church and I still wasn't healed. So I was like, I know God's word is real. I know we can really heal, but I'm still in this state. That means I don't know enough. Because once I, you know, every problem is a wisdom problem, knowledge problem, right? My right. people bearish for lack of knowledge. So if I'm still struggling, that means I just don't know enough, right? So I was like, what better way than maybe going to this college? Let me look into this. Maybe I'll find God and find the answer in this thing. So they, they came for orientation that Monday night and I was sitting down and, and I was kind of on the thing. I was, you know, should I go to this college or not? Because like it had, you know, never crossed my mind before this. And I'm like, I go college? Like you crazy? You know, like it just didn't make sense. So I was still on that fence. My, my wife and I were kind of struggling financially because of my situation. I, like I said, everything was going, going backwards. And now if I enrolled in this program for two something years, right, for, for um, Bible theology ministry, that was going to be another financial burden. At the time, really, I didn't have it, you know? But I took that leap of faith. I sat down in that seat, and I asked God. I remember asking, clean it, and I asked him, like, is this what you want me to do? You know, just like that, because I was like, you know, I, I want to do what you want me to do. Is this what you want to do? And I remember something came on my spirit. It was so clear. It said, you ain't never been more right. And I was like, ooh. And, and like, I, I knew it wasn't, I still, I still get the goosebumps, bro. Like, yeah. it was just like, boom, you ain't never been more right. So I ain't questioned it again. I said, that's what I'm doing. And that was it. But here, like I said, I didn't go there to be a pastor. I didn't go there to minister or speak. I was just trying to find my own healing. Man. I was just trying to find deeper revelation to God in this thing. And uh, so I went and did a two-year curriculum, got got the degree in here again. Like, it's going to look good on my wall. That's all I thought. Like, the degree is going to look good on my wall. I'm never going to use it, but it, it's going to look good on my wall, you know? And uh, one night at the men's group, I'm back at the men's group now, and uh, – the leader was having some issues. We're going to have to have a couple weeks off. And he asked me, he's like, hey, can you teach? I know you went to college. I'm like, oh, I can't teach you know, an hour and a half. Get up here and preach with no music. Like, I, I've been on stage before, right? But I got a choreography. I got dances. I got music. Right. It's all, like, scripted. And I'm Completely like, to different. be up there, and I'm going to be the only one talking. No music, no dances, no nothing, no lights, no nothing. Just me. And I'm going to have to talk for an hour and a half to people from 18 to 80 that know the word. I'm like, uh, not me. So he kept on and on. And I'm like, no, man, I ain't doing that, bro. I was nervous. I was like, that's just not me. I'm not no priest. And he said, he just kept on, kept on, kept on, man. And finally I said, okay, I'll do it, man. One week, that's it. I'm going to do it one week. So all week I prepped, man. I must have did like 10 hours of prep for this hour and a half, two hour study. And um, I got up there that Monday night. And I said, the first thing come out of my mouth, I said, God still move, right, when I came up there. And it was like, boom, on the inside, bro. It was like, all of a sudden, I turned into Superman. It was like the anointing came on me, the fire came on me, and the words came out with authority. I wasn't just saying, like, scripture, bro. I was preaching life, and fire was coming out of my mouth, man. And everybody on this Monday night just lit up. Like, everybody in the... I was like, whoa, like, what is... You know, this ain't me, like, (laughs) what... Man, I ended up speaking like two, two and a half hours that night. Like, I was worried about speaking an hour and a half. I ended up going over an hour. And then, like, when the group was over, we was downstairs in, in the parking lot for another hour, just 
man, it was like this God had stirred me up. It was like for seven years I hadn't had a voice and I hadn't had no way to talk. And I really, I didn't have anybody to talk to. <laughs> I was talking to myself. That was it because everybody had left. So for seven years I was silenced. And all of a sudden now like seven years of power just started pouring out of my mouth. Man. And, and I came home. I remember coming home to my wife and I was like, hey, something happened. Like, I don't know what that was, but I've been in music for, you know, 17 years and I never felt like that. You know, I love music, 20,000 people, but it didn't never feel like I, you know, speaking to that 15, 20 people that was there that night, something was different. So I came home and I thought about it and was so excited about it and everything, but I, I, I got it in my mind again, my human mind, right? As an entrepreneur and the things that I had done before, I was still trying to filter this new thing that God was doing through my old mindset. And I'm like, that's not a calling. You know, like, that's not a business. That's not a, you know, how you being an entrepreneur doing that? You know, working for a check at the church. And that, and that didn't really appeal to me. I didn't want money out of that. So I was like, this doesn't really coincide with my financial philosophy. Like, so, you know, multiple streams of income, multiple businesses, multiple assets. Like, it, it, it just didn't fit. I was like, how does that, you know? So I kind of started talking my stuff out. I was like, oh, that was cool. That was something to do on a Monday. That was really great. And that's all it is, you know. But a month or two later went by. I came back to the men's group and the guy came back and all that. And every month or two, he'd come back and be like, Hey, I can't, I can't speak next week. Can you, can you do it? So I said, okay, I'll do it. And then I come there. I'd say the first word of my mind, I said, God still moves him. Boom. It was like, I was Superman again. God had anointed it. Fire turned up. It got to be so addictive. I was like, bro, like, can I speak next week? Like I started asking and it was just like this fire on the inside, man. And, and I knew something. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but. God is doing something. You know, I can't discount it. So I just, I'm going to not try to figure it out. I'm just going to let him, you know, do his thing. Right. That's incredible, man. And so in in that, what shifted you to go to translate the word of God into motivational speaking? When did you discover that you wanted to become a motivational speaker and not just talk about your struggle and how to grind mm -hmm. and overcome, but, you know, but you know, putting the word in God and put, basically put the two together. Well, they they overlap because you mentioned earlier. Like I still had these other businesses that, um, you know, were running at this time. I still had like half my feet in the world. You know, I, I still had five CD stores in, in Orlando, Central Florida area, selling mixed CDs and urban wear and all this. Now my mind had changed. I was a different person, mm -hmm. but I had not figured out how to turn like the stuff I was selling was was legitimate. But it was negative and destructive, right? It didn't have the same theme and the message that it now was becoming. But I didn't know how to get out of it. I'm like, Lord, okay, I'm with you now, but how do I get out of this? And where do you want me to go financially? Because my whole life, every idea I ever did was rooted in destruction. So, like, how do I turn something positive? And how do I, you know, how do I, how do I pay my bills in a positive way doing the things that you're starting to do with me? I hadn't had that revealed to me yet. So the first step, I transitioned out of um, the CD stores into cell phone accessories, right? This was like the very stage one, and then when I, I started to move, and I called that store Blessed Mobile. So I went from like all this, you know, Blessed thug life, mobile. all of that, to boom, now all of a sudden Blessed Mobile, and everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, I like that. you were like doing like, You know what I mean? Like, they, they was like, bro, you know, like you rapping, pop a pill, and now you all of a sudden, and, and like, they didn't really know if I was just like having a little, you know, six month change, or, or if it was actual real, like the transformation was real. But it was real. I just didn't know how to get out of that life. And finally, God gave me a way. So 
I got all those other businesses, gave them to a partner, sold out on that, and, and came into the, the cell phone accessories, which paid um, you know, my bills and all that kind of stuff and kept me straight while God continued to work on me. Like it, it it just replaced the other stuff and it was like, okay, this will hold you until I'm ready to do what I want to do with you. Well, as I mentioned about um the men's group and, and beginning to teach there, um in this see in sixteen, two thousand sixteen, the leader came to me and was like, Look, I'm not gonna be able to teach for the summer. Can you teach? Now this was gonna be thirteen weeks long. And of course, my mind was like, I can't do that, you know, because of my own ability. How am I going to come up with 13 messages? I want to have long, you know, for 13 weeks back to back. Like, I, I was like, I can't do that. Like, you know, I tried to he, I tried to talk him out of it. I was like, no, I can't do that. But <laughs> but uh, he kept on, kept on. So I, I went ahead and did it. And um, the thing was, for every message that I was given on a Monday for an hour and a half, I was studying 10 hours prep. So I'm like, wow, that's a lot of time. That's 130 hours. That's a full that college a course curriculum, right? That that's 130 is. hours of a full college curriculum. So I was like, my, now my entrepreneur mind went to work. It said, okay, you're going to be doing a, doing all this study anyway. How, do you, how can you package up some of the stuff you're doing and provide value with what you're doing outside of that church? Because I was doing this for free. Like it wasn't, a, you know, I just loved it. It wasn't about money and that. But at the same time, I'm like thinking, I want to do this more and more. So I got to figure out a way to fund it without having to ask for money and I'll put burdens on people, right? So God it, it moved on my spirit and said, remember back in 2009 when I had put that in you about writing the book? Because I, I got you know some visions back in 2009 about writing the book, but I didn't understand the full picture because it hadn't been revealed yet. So I was like, yeah, okay. And I'm thinking, okay, well, these 13 lessons you know, that I'm there um, teaching, I'll roll all that stuff into a book that I'm doing. So I wrote my book, Blessing Unstoppable, over that summertime. So all those lessons were stuff that I did and I compiled it into um, Blessed and Unstoppable, um, the blueprint for success, man. But at this point in time, I wasn't doing motivational speaking. I was just teaching at the men's group and didn't see myself as a speaker. I was trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, this speaking is just so I can write this book and I've got to figure out how to sell the book. So I was still doing the cell phone accessory stuff at this point in time, but it wasn't connected to me anymore. Now it was like, man, I hate going out here because I'm not... This is like when I was doing music, I was connected to what I was selling. Like it was my own creativity, my own ideas and things like this. But the cell phone accessories, it wasn't mine. It was Apple, it was Samsung, whatever. I, there was none of me in that business, right? I'm a creator, creative. So I need something that I'm expressing and I want, I want that to be my center focus. So I almost got to the point where I was just dreading even going out to the business. It was making money, but I, you know, I just wasn't in it. So finally I said, you know, the day I finished this book, I'm selling that business and I'm going to walk in. I'm going to let God show me what to do because I can't do this no more. I got to do what, you know, what God is putting in me in some kind of way. And I don't know what that is, right? Because, uh, you know, up until this point, I would, as an entrepreneur, I would never get into one business, you know, and let go of the other one until I had that one up and running. And I knew I was jumping to something that was safe and something moving. It wasn't just a leap of faith, like blind faith. But now I got to that point. When that book was done, I'm like, okay, I don't know how I'm going to pay bills. I don't know how I'm going to do anything. I just know that ain't working. I know that's not me. I'm not connected to that. I know that's not what you got me, you know, called for. So here's what I'm going to do, Lord. The day I'm done, I'm done. You're just going to have to show me I'm going to trust in you. And I wasn't doing YouTube then. This is before any of that. This is just okay. I got a book in my hand and that's it. And matter of fact, I didn't even have the book. I just finished the book and I'd sent it off to the, the, the printer to get it done, but I hadn't even got it back in my hand yet. So I sold that business, got out of it, 
And now I'm just basically in limbo from November of um, 16 until January, February of 17. I'm just floating. Yeah. And then God started moving on my spirit. He said, you remember when you was having a panic attacks and Travis used to tell you during the week, I want you to listen to motivational videos. I want you to listen to positive stuff and start pouring this stuff in you when you're not hearing therapy with me. He's like, you're only here one hour a week with me or two hours a week, depending on which week it was. He said, so you got 20, you know, 23 hours a day that you're not with me for six days. You need to be pouring some good stuff in, right? So he, he put me on the, these videos. Well, it came back to me. It's like, remember those videos you used to listen to? Now, when I listened to them back in the day, they used to bother me because I'm a musician, a producer, you know, right? So I would hear the way they put these videos together. Basically, the way people were doing it back then was they were just taking a live vocal, right, from somebody on stage live with no music, and then just trying to fit it over some music, and it didn't really fit. Like, the vocals, the guy would be talking loud when the music be going down, and it was just off. And me as a producer, it used to drive me crazy because I'm a perfectionist, right? So it just hurt me. So it came back to me in this moment. You remember that stuff that you couldn't stand how they were doing it? You can do that. You know how to do music. This is what you've done your whole life. You know how to write. You know how to speak the word. You've been in it now. You understand who I am. Go do this. So I took a little leap of faith, man. I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to sound doing motivation. I knew how I sound rapping, but I like talking, like, what's this going, you know, is it going to work or not? So I tested it out one night. I talked to my friend Frankie about that, and he encouraged me on it. So uh, I came home. I never forget. I, Instagram used to only let you put a minute and they still do like a minute video. That's it. That's right. True, yeah. So I, I threw on a Drake the the energy, right? <laughs> Just the instrumental. So I, what, what I want to do is hear my voice, my tonality and, and the way it sounded, just talking, not rapping. And I wanted to see if it was working or not. Right. You know, like if it was going to, I, I knew it was the producer, I could tell real quick if it's working or not. So I just kind of freestyled this little message about faith for one minute, just like talking off the head, nothing or whatever. And, uh, Listen to it when I got done. I was like, it'll work. I was like, it'll work. I just gonna have to perfect it now. I'm gonna have to perfect the craft. But Absolutely. I knew my talking and stuff like that was mixing with the stuff. And I realized, okay, you can speak just like you used to rap. It's just gonna be a little bit of changing, a little bit of modifying, a little bit of, you know, perfecting the, the work. But, but this is something you can do. So each week I started doing this, man. And um, I think I was like about five, six, seven, seven videos in. I had like... On YouTube, man, I might have had like 50, 100 people. And that was just my family. Nobody was listening to me. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't any good. I was just trying to find myself with this whole thing. And I remember sitting behind a mic one day and, and the spirit moved on me. And it was like, behind this mic, you could change the world. Now, that might not, might not sound like much. But look, up until this point, when I was doing music and rapping, I was behind a mic saying I could change my world. Hey, if I do the right song, then women come. If I do the right song, fame come. If I do the right song, money, whatever it is I wanted could come. And that's the way it was from high school on. If I wanted a chick, I just made a, a mixtape when that chick came, right? So now it was like, no, 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 no. Behind this mic, instead of it coming to you, you project life that I'm going to give you out of you and you change the world with your mouth because I'm going to send you out through YouTube and these speakers and all that and they're going to go all around the world. You know, and I knew the word. It said, death and life when the power of the tongue. Those who love and shake the fruits thereof. So I knew I had power and I knew I had life in my mouth, right? So if I got behind that mic and I said it right, and then people were playing this stuff all over the world, coming out acoustically, I was impacting environments that my physical body was in. 
right? I had that revelation. And I was like, oh. So the fact that I went through the struggle allowed me to understand the struggle. So I understood who I was talking to on the other side. So like motivation to me wasn't like, oh, I'm a motivational speaker. No, 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 bro. There's somebody on the other side of this, this speaker that's on the verge of Absolutely. killing himself. On the other side of the speaker with stage four cancer or mm-hmm. about to be divorced or fighting addiction or feeling like I felt like the world was closing in on them. So it wasn't a game to me. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do motivation. Like everybody be positive. No, 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 no. I understood, but for seven years, I've been in the trenches. So I understood that person. That's why I say product of the struggle, because that's where I came out of. So now I'm speaking like behind this mic, and it was like God was beginning to reveal things like to me, like, go back and speak to you on that block. When you were walking around the block hurting and crying and broken and wanting to give up, go back and speak to that person when you get on that mic every single time. And don't forget who you're speaking to. You know what I mean? So like when I get behind a mic now, it's not a game. It's not like, oh, let's, you know, make a motivational video and get some mics. No, it's like Somebody, God is going to put this message in front of that needs to hear it, that needs that word that, that he's going to put in my mouth, and I'm going to project that out into the world, and I know that God will take care of the rest of it. I just got to come in here and do my part. So, man, I, I started to understand my call and understand who I was, and it all started to come together. Now I've got the word to base everything on, right? I got the struggle. I understand my, my, my identity and who I'm speaking to, my audience. I understand the anointing and calling now that's on me, my talent. So everything is beginning to unify and consolidate. Now there's no more confusion. Now it's like, okay, you got a purpose. You got a plan. Now be bold and trust me and go out and do what I told you to do, right? So when I get behind that mic, man, it's 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 so um, such a high, man. You know, it, God lights me up on the inside, man, and there's nothing else that feels like it. I tell all my old guys from my old neighborhood and my old lifestyle, man, I say, you know, there's no drug, no alcohol, no sex that will ever compare to the high of being in the center of your calling. When you find it, you'll want to stay there all day. You know, and, and it's so much better now, man, uh, using my mouth to, to build people up and to sow life. You know, the enemy lied to me for years. He was like, you know, where I came from, nobody who was doing something positive was making it. You know, there was no financial gain. There was no prosperity, no nothing. You just saw the drug dealers, you know, the pimps. Or whatever the game members, you saw them flourishing, but you didn't see anybody else but them flourishing. Everybody else was struggling. So I bought into it, like, well, you know, you can't, you can't make any money and make a living doing a positive thing. That was a lie from hell. That's the enemy trying to get you to come work for him. And I did. I bought into that, and all my friends bought into that. But now, man, I'm making ten times what I did then doing positive things, and I wouldn't trade this thing for the world, man. Because you know. <laughs> Now, I'm telling you, it's like, if the, you know what I was telling you earlier, if the enemy will reward his, how much more will God reward his? You feel me? You know, and if we do what God tells us to do, man, we can't help but be successful. I've never had to ask for a donation. I've never had to ask pass a hat around. Not once, bro. God has always took care of me from the clothing line to the books, all of that. That book sold in 27 countries now, man. You know what I'm saying? And self-published, own my own stuff, everything. God is good, man. Like and I, if you'd have told me this five years ago, like this, I would I wouldn't have believed you. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, bro, that can't happen. God can make it happen, man. Absolutely, God man. can make it happen. You know, um, Billy. So I I have a specific target young audience. They're mainly late uh, kids in their late teen. I shouldn't say kids, but young adults like late teenage years and early twenties. Right. 
So what would you say to those who are still trying to, to discover what their purpose is, what they're calling? You know, a lot of them are just about to enter the real world. They don't know which direction to go. They don't know if they even want to enter college or not, or if they should, or if it applies to whatever goals and dreams they want in their lives. So what would you say to that young um, gentleman or young lady who, who's trying to, to discover what God has planned for them and to follow that path like you have? Well, for one, you got to be yourself. You know, when I did that music, music life, I was straddling the fence. Like it was half me, half made up, half fictitious characters. You know, it's like we playing Scarface on one side and Billy's over here. And you can't really tell the difference between who's who. And it was like, you know, I was living in, you know, false illusions and, and things like that. And you'll never reach the height of your potential being something that you're not. You know what I'm saying? And I learned that the hard way. Nobody sat down and told me this, man. When I was rapping, I wish to God somebody when I was 14, 15, when I first touched that mic, would have said, listen, bro, you can't be Dr. Dre or Eminem or anybody else. All you can be is Billy. Be on that mic and be the, be you. Give your own message. And, and, and the truth that's on the inside of you, people want that, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and nobody told me that, man. They always told me the opposite. Hey, bro, this dope music, boy, it's popping right now. You know, you can get on with that. Or, hey, do a club song right now. You know, something to make the ladies shake. If you can do that, you can get on. So, like, whatever they told me, whatever the world told me, music sets, radio guys told me, man, if you do this, we'll play it. That's what I did. But I did everything but me. You understand? So, at the end of the day, my last, um, my last mixtape was called Me Versus Me. Because I began to awaken to this, you know, five, six albums in, man, I began to wake up to the truth. And I was like, man, I wish I'd have learned this on album one. So, like, if anybody out there is listening in the music world, man, or graphic design or artist or, or entrepreneur, whatever it is, start with, you know, being true to yourself. Without self-awareness of understanding who you are, there is going to be no next level uh, success. And the way I teach it today um, about this, this principle right here, I, I teach three things. This is how you do it. Fire, truth, and music. This is the filter. Okay, fire being, you don't know who you are, right? You're, saying, you're coming out of high school or, or you, you, you should you go to college or you're not, whatever. Here's the question. What sets you on fire the most on the inside? I'm t take the money out of the equation. Take the, the, you know, what the world thinks and all of this stuff. Just get rid of them. Just get true to yourself and stand in front of the mirror and say, what sets me on fire? On the inside, what makes me feel alive? And what do you mean by that exactly? Elaborate on that a little bit more, please. What makes you feel alive? Like, for instance, time just flew by when I was up there speaking at that men's group that night. Like, I thought an hour and a half before I started speaking, right? I was like, wow, that's a long time. When I got into my call, and I'm like, bro, I spoke an hour past it. Like, I literally, I, I went, it was, out, it was almost two and a half hours. And I still was like, bro, let's get it in. Like, it never felt like work to me. You know, I, I got stronger as I went. See, that's the thing. When you're doing something that you weren't designed to do, as you continue to do it, you get tired and exhausted and exhausted. But when you're doing what you what you were designed to do, you get stronger because you're tapping into God. You're tapping into what he designed you to do. It's what Jesus says. I, I got 100%. I got meat that you know not of. I got food that you know not of. See, and when you get in that calling, you light up. You start vibrating at another frequency, right? Success is about frequency. You know, down here is average and mediocrity. To be up here, you're going to have to vibrate high. And the only way to get up to that level of vibration, bro, is to do what God called you to do because you light up. You, you hear the things people say, man, you're really passionate about what you do. 
Yo, what they're saying is I'm vibrating at that higher level and they can't understand what it is, right? So when you start to do the thing you love and the thing that you can't live without, you eventually move into another level of functioning, right? And when I'm on fire, like up here, I see things differently. I can understand things that I could not understand down here, right? Because when I move a step closer to God, I understand more than I did when I was out here. It says, those that seek the Lord understand all things, right? So when I seek the thing that God made me to do, I understand all things, things that didn't make any sense before, right? Remember what I was saying? I didn't understand who I was, but as I moved closer and closer to my calling, things started to make sense. Oh, I understand, right? Because I'm vibrating high and now I can understand. And contrary to popular belief, man, you can't think your way to success. You can't think your way to the top. You have to burn your way there by passion. You see what I'm saying? Now, we keep the thinking going, but it's the fire that burns that keep that thinking in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing with relationships too, man. Like with with uh, your spouse, significant other, whatever, friends and all that. You want to be surrounded by people that set you on fire, man. If, if the relationship with the significant other is not one that you can't live without, if you when you leave a person's presence, if you don't struggle to breathe when you leave that friend, you're in the wrong, you're with the wrong person. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And if we live like this, man, we live the next level of existence, bro. This is like, so that first step is fire. Do the things that you're passionate about, the natural talents and gift that God put in you. Start with that, not the money. Most of the time they train us now like, you know, well, how much does that job pay, right? You know what I'm saying? Or or what is this, what does the career look like over there? Is it moving in that direction? What's the trend, right? Instead of saying, hold on, bro, what sense you want? Start with this. Because if you get this wrong, it don't matter. You're never going to be that next level because you're going to have to force yourself to grind. You're going to have to force yourself to say this one. You're going to have to force yourself to do things that you don't want to do. And there's going to be limits to that. But when you're doing the thing you love, there's still going to be struggles, but you'll be able to get through it because you love what it is you oh, do. Nice. You know what I'm saying? So start with fire. The second thing is truth that I mentioned. You got to stay true to yourself. You got to understand your maker, what he made you to do, and who you are. See, when I was rapping, I was in the half truths. So I got halfway to where I wanted to be. You understand? So to, to go to all the way to the next level, you got to be in the center of your truth. Truth is the is the chiropractor of the mind, bro. Right? And truth is the couture for greatness. If you got truth, if you drape yourself down in truth, no matter what environment in, you are qualified and you're perfectly dressed. You understand? So you got to have your own truth on. And then that last thing, what I say is music. And I don't mean physical or acoustic music. What I mean is fire, your passion, the thing you were designed to do, wrapped in your truth. You package these two up in an entrepreneurial way that adds value to the world. And the way you package it up, that's the music. Whether it's music, writing, uh, graphic design, whatever it is, entrepreneur, whatever it is, that's your music, the way you package it up. You know what I'm saying? So it's fire, truth, music. First, we figure out what we're most passionate about. Second of all, we make sure it aligns with our truth and that we're in it. And then the third thing is we seek value because money chases value, right? You say, okay, if I'm a motivational speaker, if I'm a, a pastor and I, I'm in this world and I love personal development, how do I package out? How do I package this up in a way that adds value to others? Now, if I focus on value first, money will find me. But if I focus on money first, mm, chances of Muslim or me you know, being successful in this in this field. So, like, when I got into this field, it wasn't about how much money is in motivation. I got to be where I got high on that mic when I would start doing these things that God put the words in me. There was nothing else that felt like that. I just wanted to get high, and I was getting high in a positive way. You know, not drug way, not artificial high. When I got on that mic, that high would last for days. 
You know what I'm saying? And, it, and it, like I said before, it's not artificial. It make my health better, my thinking better, my relationships better, all of this stuff, man. So like, you know, just getting in your thing and doing what, what um, God has designed you to do, man, will open up the door. Start with fire, then your truth, and then figure out ways to package it up and add value. And then take that value. Here's the other thing. To be massively financially free and massively successful, we have to use leverage with the value, right? Now, the mistake I made in music back in the day, we didn't have all this internet the way it is now where everything is connected, right? I was around when it was MySpace. <laughs> so it was a long time ago, right? So back then, I would take these CDs that I made and I'd go hand in hand like I was telling you at the school, selling tapes, selling CDs. So my leverage is very small. Meaning, like, how many people can I reach a day and how many people I can sell tapes to? Now, like with this book, where I can ship this book through Amazon, eBay, um, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, whatever, my own site, I can ship these things global. See, my leverage is massive. YouTube, I'm leveraging their platform. It is massive, right? Now, me alone, I couldn't reach that many people at the men's group, 15, 20 people. I can put out a video on a Sunday night and reach 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 like this. You know what I mean? Because I've tapped that value that I'm giving and I've tapped it and wrapped it in leverage and therefore all the opportunities open up. So you want to take your fire, your truth, and then seek the value and then find ways to add that leverage to it. And if you can if you can get those things in order, man, no matter what you do, you're gonna be on a better platform, a better position to, to succeed in life. Nice. Hey, hey, very well explained. Put very put well, very well put, excuse me. All right, so Billy, um, I have a few un- statements over here that I found that were very unique. I have about three of them. If you want to just delve into that a little bit, they may okay. relate somewhat to the, in one way or another, they relate to what you've already um talked about during this interview. Okay. So the first one I have for you is you have to create a powerful vision for victory. Vision is the mm-hmm. genesis of all greatness. Now, before you start, one unique, very, very unique thing I found about you that most people don't do, um, they don't have necessarily um, affirmations or um, vision boards of what they want to do and what they want to accomplish in life, whether it be health, finance, career, you know, um, personal life, etc. So if you could um, not just only explain how important that is, but how do you specifically apply it to your life and on an everyday basis in order to reach a high level of success and stay at a high level of success? Yeah, as you mentioned, vision is the genesis of all greatness. Personal transformation starts, change, the change starts here first. You have to build a change here, build a dream here, build a goal, whatever it is that you want to be, become, experience, uh, accomplish, it starts right here. So what we have to do is, you know, seek inside, and decide what it is you want this life to be about. As I mentioned earlier, legacy, right? Mine, I start with the end first. The way I teach this thing is, in my seminars, as I say, um, there was a famous author, and they were doing this interview. Every book this guy put out was a bestseller. I mean, every single one. And the guy was like, what is your writing process? You know, how how are you able to be so successful like this over and over and over and recreate it? He said, well, it's simple. The first thing I do is I write the last chapter of my book first. That way I always know when I'm writing where I'm going to end up, right? So now our last chapter is human beings is our legacy is that uh, statement that goes on, on the, the headstone or in the obituary. That's our, our legacy. What, 
what the word is going to say when we're gone. Start with right. that in mind first, right? Sometimes we dream, but we didn't. We don't go back far enough, right? And go back to the last chapter and say, if I die today, what do I want them to say about me? What are the words I want them to describe about me? What do, why do, what do I want them to say that I accomplished and achieved and experienced and did in life? Start with the end of mind. The next thing we do is work back from the legacy. Like mine, for instance, my legacy was... Um, Impact lives, bro. I wanted because I understood the value of that. And my thing is, the headstone is here lies a man who set the world on fire with truth and with his motivational art impacted one billion people. Right. So I know exactly what I'm working for when I get up every day. Now, how I go about that, whether it's writing books, whether it's lives, podcasts, whatever, that might change or might vary from season to season. But the outcome, the legacy, never changes. You understand? It's impact one bigger no matter what I do. So when I get up, I know who I am because it's written down. I understand. I got a vision now for who I am. Now, I work backwards. I got the legacy there. Now I say what outcomes are going to happen are going to have to happen for me to leave that legacy. Right. My thing was the, you know, impact one being, okay. You know, what's the outcomes I'm going to have to do? Well, I'm going to have to, you know, write books. I'm going to have to um, do live events and all these things. Right. I have to figure out what that is. Then from the, from the outcomes, I move back one step to goals. What goals do I need to achieve benchmarks? What goals to achieve these outcomes, to leave that legacy. And then I come back one more step. What actions do I need to take today that will help me move closer to the goals to produce the outcomes to, to leave the legacy. You know what I'm saying? But it starts right here. You got to dream the dream first. Like when uh, we built this house uh, a year ago, we sat down with the uh, construction people to build this house, custom house, right? First day I'm there, the guy says, okay, what kind of house do you want to build? He gives us this questionnaire, 150 something questions. The questions were, you know, what kind of tile do you want? What color carpet do you own? You know, how many rooms? Three bedroom, five bedroom, two story, three story, corner lot, all these questions. Because they would not start to build and develop the blueprint until they knew what we wanted, right? They didn't just show up, you know, at the at the at this lot with a bunch of two by fours and say, man, let's just throw something together. I hope they like it, right? That's not how we build a house, right? But we live our life a lot of times like that. We just show up and say, man, I hope success will happen or I hope something will happen, right? No, we got to be really, really uh, intentional about the kind of life that we want to live in. And we sit down and say, okay, like we had the 150 questionnaire, what do I want my marriage to look like? What do I want, what do I want in a significant other to live my life with? What, what kind of person do I want? How do I want to feel every day when I get up? What kind of job do I want to be in profession? What am I most passionate about? What sets me on fire? What kind of car do I want to drive? What, what, what area of town do I want to live in? Whatever it is, we map it down to the smallest detail, man. We get it all here first. We build it here. I always say this, man. We, we dream the dream in 4K, high definition, high resolution mental imaging, man. We get it clear here. And we make this dream so big in our mind. So big in our mental realm that it has no place to go except into the physical. You see what I'm saying? We dream it right here. And all the people, if you look, man, all the big movers and shakers and successful people in the world, they started with vision. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream. He knew exactly what he was there for, right? John F. Kennedy said, we're going to go to the moon by the end of the decade. He was real clear. Elon Musk today said, we're going to Mars. He gets up every day. Okay, I'm building cars, so when we get to Mars, we know how to run battery power. I, I'm shooting rockets up in the sky right now to get ready so we can go to Mars. Every day, he knows what he's there for. You know, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, his vision was, I'm going to find a way to connect the world in a better way. 
You understand? Like, so, like, these people started with, with vision. Steve Jobs, man, putting, you know, the iPod. I'm going to put a thousand songs in your pocket. Like, he had a vision, you know, make, you find ways to um, use technology to make people's life better, right? So he had a vision and clarity of what he was trying to accomplish. So each and every single one of us, no matter where we are in life right now, we need a vision for that, you know? And maybe you don't know right now. Maybe if you're listening to this podcast, maybe you just don't know. Like, I don't know what I want in life, right? You start with what you do know. Start broad. Like, I didn't know when I started, um, when I really started at that wake, my dad's wake. I didn't know I was going to be doing this, bro. I just knew, look, I want to leave I want to leave the world better than I found it, and I want to say something good about me when I go. I don't want, you know, I knew something broad. I didn't know anything else. But I started with what I knew, and then God began to reveal the pieces. You know, just like I said, you know, I stepped out in faith when I sold the, the cell phone accessory place. I had the book in my hand, but I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know but I trusted I had to step out in faith. Okay, God, you're going you're gonna to make this thing happen. You'll show me the peace. You know, what I call own the dark. Successful people have to learn to own the dark. Meaning like, okay, you dream something really big, but you don't see anything between where you're at now and that dream. It's all dark. You can't find your way there. There's no light. And you just have to traverse that darkness. You have to learn how to own the dark and not be scared by it. You know, you got to get in that dark so much that you can see in the dark. When everyone else can't say, I can't see it. I see it. It's right there and I'm moving toward it. You know what I'm saying? And you see it by the vision that you have in here. Now, the outside world is the illusion. Okay? It's not, it doesn't look anything like your dream right now. Maybe, maybe you, let's say you don't have any money. You want to be a billionaire. Okay? In your pockets, your bank account, all that doesn't look like it, right? The illusion is it says zero in my bank account. Right. Or illusion is it says I'm behind on rent. Right. That's the illusion. The dream is I'm I'm blessed and unstoppable, man. Money comes to me easily, frequently, and abundantly in God's perfect way all day, every day. I lend them in the nations and I borrow, man. I got it. That's the dream. Right. So there's illusion and the dream. And we choose which one we buy into. We choose which one we feed and which one we feed becomes our reality. Either the illusion turns real or the dream turns real, but that's all determined by which one we buy into. Uh-huh. And, and I'm saying, if you don't buy into it, it's the same amount. Buy into the dream. It's the same amount of energy it takes to buy into the dream as the other one. You know what I'm saying? You you buying in full faith that I don't have it, or you buying the full faith that I got it. It just ain't got here yet. It's in transition. You know what I'm saying? So we started right here. Build the vision in your mind, man. You know, build it here first, and then write it down on paper. The word of God says, write the vision and make it plain. So he that really can run with it. And that's us. So we can run with the thing that God has given us to do. I'll tell you this one last story on this one principle. Man, um, this guy asked me to do an interview up in Birmingham, Alabama, um, a while back. He had a he had a TV show. I didn't know much about him. He just reached out, kind of like you. He was like, hey, man, I want you on the show. I said, okay, you know, God opened the door. Whatever you tell me to go, God, that's what I do. So I'm like, I'm going to be in Birmingham anyway in two weeks from now. Let's do it when I'm there. So he's like, bet. So I touched down in the city and uh, I text him. I'm like, hey, I'm in town. Where's the, you know, where you want to meet up to the TV station? He's like, well, come by my house first. I want you to meet my family, right? And then we'll go from here to the, to the, to the station, the TV station. So he gives me the address. I'm in the car. I got my GPS going. And the craziest thing happens, right? I'm, I'm riding and the, the GPS is taking me um, deeper and deeper into the trap, to the hoods, man. I'm like, it's not making sense, right? Because this dude on TV, right? And and I'm going through this neighborhood, and it's getting worse and worse. And I know that life. I'm from that life. You know what I'm saying? They, they selling on the corner, uh, homeless and all. It, it's just getting rough and rough and rough. Gangs everywhere, graffitied up. Now, I get to his block. Every house on that block 
is boarded up and graffitied up, except his. So now I'm like confused. I'm like, man, this don't make no sense. But I know when things don't make sense, God is in it and he's about to teach me something, right? Because I trust now. I know him like that now. But, you know, I learned that from that block and that struggle. When things don't make sense, bro, it's, it's really about to happen. You know what I mean? Because right. the enemy's trying to trying to fool you with all this out here as much as he can do to fool you out of your blessings, right? So I'm going over there. I'm like, oh, God's about to show up and show out because I don't understand this. But I know God is good, right? So I get out of the car and this guy comes out and he's like, oh, man, glad to have you here. Come on in. I want you to meet my family. Boom, the lesson began, dog. I walk in. I walk in the door. As soon as I walk in, I see in this man's house every wall in this man's house got a vision board on it got a dry erase board on it got goals printed out on it the whole house wow. listen to me bro the, the little 12 year old girl come up to me like this and she, she had some papers she said these are my goals like well, as soon as i walk in the door they were doing goal sessions right there bro and i'm like bro like this man and what i realized right then bro i, I went to the kitchen I seen the wife had goals on the on the on the refrigerator everywhere. Bro. I was everywhere I went, but I, I couldn't sit on the couch. I went to sit down on the couch. I had to move um magazines off because they had been clipping out visions of things that they wanted and putting them on these boards, man. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And what I realized was this man, this family did not live in that home. They had already moved out of that place and had already moved to success. Their body was here and hadn't hadn't transitioned yet. But they mind and their spirit and their soul and every ounce of them had already moved to this other place. You know, that guy called me a couple um months back, bro. He said, bro, I just bought this new house on the beach in this gated community. And I said, bro, I already knew you. You had moved in when I saw you in Birmingham. You had moved in then. You know what I'm saying? You'd already moved in. So he come to find out this guy had just got out of prison. and He had been in prison 18 years for armed robbery, man, but got saved in there, right? Wrote some books while he was in it. So as soon as he got out, God had opened doors, man, that you couldn't imagine, bro. Got a book deal, got the TV show, and a radio station, bro. And in no time, within like a year's time, bro, he went from zero, from, from the prison to the palace, bro, like that, bro. Because he bought in, bro. God had given that vision, man. And, you know, most of the time people say, well, you know, you come out of prison, nobody want to hire you. He said that was the best thing that ever happened because I, I didn't, if I would have got a job, I'd have been trapped in that world because no one would hire me. Now I'm a millionaire. You feel me? Because he couldn't, he couldn't go that option, right? So when you know when people make excuses, man, they just framing the situation wrong. Because there's opportunity in everything if you frame the circumstance right. And this man didn't use the prison and, and his background and the mistakes he made. He didn't use it as excuse. And I say champions don't make excuses; they make adjustments, man. And this man made the adjustment. And said, okay, the world says, you know, you, you come out of prison, you're supposed to do this. He said, but God said, you feel me? You're blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come, blessed when you go. I like that. So I like that. this is how he walked into the, into the environment, and he started to do the things that God laid out. Like, you know, when you tap into the principles that God put in his word and, and really walk them out, things begin to happen. And this is the principle, vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish, right? Where there's no vision, a marriage will perish. Where there's no vision, a business perish. Where there's no vision, a relationship perish, whatever it is. You got to have a vision, man. So start right now, in your, wherever you're at in life, man, start to ask the question, what it is that I want? What is it that I want in life? What did God put me here for? You know, what talents has he given me? Who do I want to spend my life with? How do I want to feel when I wake up in the morning? What do I want my body to look like? What do I want my spiritual life to look like? See, we start getting clear, man. Clarity is power. You know, when you walk in the room, 
um, the most clear person, the most um, the one that has the most clarity about who or she, who he or she is, commands the room. A person without a vision is walking around in a state of chaos, man, where things are just happening and you're really not living, man. Things are living you, you know? And we as um, successful, um, God-fearing, um, loving people, man, that are supposed to be impacting the world, the only way we can do that is start with vision. So, man, it's really important. If this is probably one thing today, man, if somebody, you know, watching this, this is the one thing you get, man, it will change your life. Get a vision for your life, man. I absolutely agree. A great elaboration. Um I'll start on, I have another one here. Brokenness is the womb that gives birth to miracles. Amen. Brokenness, bro. And, you know, there's a power that you'll find. I say this too, there's a power that you can only find when you are truly alone. But that power that you find there is the key to you unlocking the world that God has for you, man. And like, he stripped away all the noise from me. You know, the music business is full of noise, egos, money, fame, all that stuff, man. And I could not hear him. Now, he didn't cause the destruction of the thing because that's not his nature. That's the enemy. But what the enemy meant for harm, God will make good. So the enemy struck, tried to attack me. God used what the enemy did to bring me a place that he, I could hear him so that he could make me useful and prepare me for what I'm doing today, man. So, you know, I, nobody wants to be broke. You know, nobody wants to be shattered. Nobody wants to be alone, man. But I tell you this, man, when you're alone with God, that is the best place to be. It's the safest place to be. But we don't always see it that way in the moment. When I look back, I was like, man, God had me right where he wanted me because he could use me. Then. Because, you know, up until this point, um, before my dad died and, and the world I came from, it was all about my ability, my strength. Like, you know, if you grind hard, you can make it. But, so, like, I always thought, like, it was me. Like, I got to make this happen. I got to make this happen. Well, I got to the point where I was at the end of me. I couldn't heal myself. You know, all the stuff I knew, it wasn't working in this life, in the spiritual battle. None of that was working, right? Everything I knew was physical. I'm in a spiritual war, and none of that's working. So uh, God had to show me, like, look, you can only go so far on your own, but to go where I'm going to take you to the promised land, you're going to need me. You know what I'm saying? And, and let's let's set this together now. Let's set the, the foundation and establish this now so I can do what you have been called to do. And I can help you and, and put you in that world that I so want to put you in and, and put you around these people that you can impact and, and, and make that legacy a reality. You know, so without the brokenness and without the being alone, man, I wouldn't be here today, man. Phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. You made the most of your opportunities. I have one more statement here. Um Plug into the power. This is a little bit long, by the way. So for the audience, please stick with yeah. me. Plug into the power and the power is love. God is love Amen. and what is not of love is not of God. Everything Amen. you do must be done with love. Then you will align with the power that all things are possible. I love that one. Amen. I had to write it. I, Amen. I had to write the whole thing. Man. I love that one. See, love is the highest vibration. Remember, we got back to vibration, man. Love is the highest vibration. And when you climb up to that state and when you are vibrating there, everything else begins to reveal itself. As I mentioned, is when you're vibrating low, you, you don't have the understanding or the capability to understand the things of the world and things that God is doing. And you can only understand the spiritual from the spiritual realm. And if we're in our flesh, we're vibrating down here, we do not understand. Like right now, nobody understands what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Because we're down here trying to figure out, like, this doesn't make sense. Right. It doesn't make sense. 
but the Lord says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct that path. Now, in order to acknowledge him, we must love, right? Love thy Lord thy God with all our heart. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And when we are in that, we are connected to the power. You understand? When we're connected to that power, man, God can come in and use us. The more we love, the more God will empower us and position us to do the things that, that we are capable of doing, right? Because right. he can, like I said, it goes against his nature, anything that's not of love. So if we want to move toward him, all we have to do is love the one next to us, man. You know? We don't bring people to the kingdom. You know, there's some. There's this philosophy um, that's out there, um, this hell, fire, damnation type of preaching and you know you're gonna burn if you don't turn to god and you know like this this evil stuff like the best way to bring people to god is to love them that's it not judge them not condemn them just love them if you love them that way they'll come because that's something you can't get everywhere you know what i mean love is rare so people when they feel it it will it will rock and shake them at the core and they'll want more of it. and when they come you say let me show you taught me how to do this my god let me show you who the real love is right you point them to them that way, not condemning and judging and scaring people to the kingdom, man. It's all done through love. It's the same thing in business, man. We call it value. Like, how do we have value? Really, it's like, how can I help you? I help you because I love you, right? So it already, the more I love, the more I want to help. And the more I help, the more value I'm adding. And the more value I add, the more prosperity and abundance can come to me. You see what I'm saying? Because I'm aligning with my maker, man. So love is the key, man. Love unlocks everything. Faith Love and forgiveness, God always responds to. So you always have the ability with these three things to change your life. And they are they are not relying on anything external. So well, you can be broke, sick, whatever, jail, whatever, but you still have the ability to change your life because you have faith, love, and forgiveness. If you got those three things, God can come into your situation, man. And he can change it just like that. You can go from the prison to the palace just like that. You know what I'm saying? So plug into the power, man. That's that's what it is. <laughs> that's great. And I don't know if I made it clear in the beginning, but all those statements were quotes you've made in the past. But yeah, phenomenal oh, yeah. job. Yeah, phenomenal. All right. So um, as we wrap it up shortly, um, I'm going to close out with my last two questions for my podcast. Okay. What is your definition of execution? Um, Fulfilling and walking out what God has planned for you, man. You know, um, we, he could put the dream here, but then we must be humble enough to allow him to work through us. And we must be disciplined enough to get up and do the sweat, the grind and the hustle, whatever it is that we got to do on our part to make that thing happen. Man, but the ultimate execution is uh, fulfilling the plans and purposes that God has put in our life. You know what I mean? Like I was executing in the music world in my music life i was executing but i really wasn't executing you understand what i'm saying i'm executing right. but not execute so whenever i was doing those things they never fulfilled me man they never they never completed me or made me whole but when i got in this world and started letting god do the things things that i wasn't even doing began to be executed without my even doing you understand because here again we attacked we attach ourselves to the thing, the, the thing that controls everything else, the love, man, and things begin to operate. And it's like, I'm doing almost, I'm, I'm grinding every day, don't get me wrong. But my grind goes so much further than it did when I, because see over there, I'm going uphill. It was like I was, because I, was, I wasn't designed to do what I was doing, right? So I'm going uphill and everything was a struggle. 
Like it was like I was grinding and sweat, but it was like I was barely moving. It was like, like the hamster wheel, you know? Yeah, right but over right. here, it's like the winds at my back of what I'm doing, bro. So like when I when I when I grind and touch something, it's ten times more effective when I execute now than it was before. Because it's not just me doing it. You know, there's execution and there's God execution, man. So, you know, it just uh execution to me is doing what God has called you to do and uh going all in on it and believing in it. Great. So my last question is, how do you define the word excellence? Spirit of excellence. Bro, I got it right here. I'm going to give you a quote. I do your thing. Floor is yours. Floor is yours. <laughs> Look at, yeah, this is this is biblical. It says, then, the, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, at this point in time, he was a, um, a prisoner. But his excellent spirit, his... His spirit of doing things right. His, you know, mediocrity had no place at the table. You understand? And that kind of spirit reveals to the world your true identity. You know, like when people aren't looking, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like I remember I used to play football and um, in the summer coaches weren't allowed like limited contact. They could come in and peek in the weight room for a minute and then they have to leave, but they couldn't stay there. So like, People would be trying to impress the coaches when they came in, right? They'd be working out and they see the coach, oh boom, they they doing extra weight, they doing, you know, they grind and boy like like Superman up in there. And coach would come in or whatever, but as soon as coach left, man, they were back cheating, cutting corners, taking, you know what I mean? Like that's not a standard of greatness. That's not, not gonna produce, you know, next level type of uh living. That's not gonna put you in the NFL. You understand? There's a standard required whatever it is that you want to do. If you want greatness, there's a standard that you must meet in order to make that thing happen. Like high school football had one standard. To visit one college football, University of Alabama, that's another standard, right? And then to go to NFL, be, be uh, catching balls from Tom Brady, that's another, that's another standard, right? So each, you know, each level of success that we want to climb and go up to, there's a standard of excellence and greatness that we must commit to in order to achieve that, man. So basically it's, you know, define in life what it is that you want. Like we talked earlier about vision. And then we say, okay, what level of um, execution? What is the standard of execution that I need to put in place in order to allow excellence and greatness to come to me? You know, those things pivot on, on um, you know, excellence pivots on the standard, man. If there's no standard, there's going to be no excellence, or at least not no long-term sustainable excellence, man. Wow, phenomenal. All right, so that wraps it up. Um, I just like to say, you know, for my young audience that's here, you know, usually m many of us who go through many tough times in life have a pity party that may extend for days, months, or even years, you know. And although this man had an overwhelming amount of mental illness trouble that he was going through, despite the fact that it lasted seven years, you know, never you know, always kept the faith, you know, thankfully he didn't take his life. Like, unfortunately, a lot of people in that young age mm. group do, as you, as you know, as well, Billy. Um, but yes. you know, you stayed the course, man. And not only did you stay the course, but you're living the exact life God had for you at the highest level. You know, you're one of the biggest inspirations in the world. I value you as one of the top motivational speakers in the world. And I sincerely mean that. And, Thank you, know, bro. And, Appreciate and, you. It really is a it really is an uh, honor to have you on my show today. Um, where can my audience find you? All the give me all the so social media platforms and your website as well. Oh, so social media is all at Billy. That's B I L Y Allsbrooks A L S B R O O K S. 
Um, also, BillyAlsbooks.com. And then YouTube, that's that's my main platform. That's that's where um, I plant my flag. Um, it's YouTube.com backslash Billy Allsbrooks. I got 180 plus videos on there, man. And they're 20, 30 minutes, hour long, whatever. Um, they're all free. So if, if you're out there in school right now, you say, well, I don't have money. You don't need money. Just turn this on and pour this um, this wisdom and this greatness and these things that God has taught me. Pour these lessons into your spirit, man. And just pour it in and pour it in and pour it in. Right now, it's really um, crucial to do that. Not just to quarantine our bodies during this season. We need to quarantine our mind, right? And the way we quarantine our mind is filling it up with so much truth that there's nothing else. There's no room for anything else to come in, right? So we pour greatness in. We pour leadership in, uh, truth and power and encouragement and inspiration, motivation. Just pour this stuff in about a gallon right now. So when the world opens up, you know, in a month from now, whenever it is they decide to open this thing up, you're better than you were before this thing happened. And you're ready to hit the ground running, man. Because to be honest, more millionaires are going to be made when this thing opened up than any other time in history. I'm telling you, the most millionaires were made in 1929 when the Great Depression happened, when the stock market crashed. More millionaires were made then than any other time. It's going to be the same here. What some people call catastrophe and, and, and the, the fear and the panic trial tribulation, others call massive opportunity. Massive opportunity. I know people right now that are preparing to make billions of dollars, man, with positive um, products and positive ways of impacting this world, and they're, they're planning on it right now. And anybody out there that's listening, you got this opportunity just like anybody else. I mean, it's what are you going to do with it? So be sure to check me out on YouTube. Um, also, um, if you get get the opportunity, get my book, Blessed and Unstoppable. Here it is. This is the book right here. Yeah, it'll, it'll change the your life. And I'm not, yeah, the clothing line too, right? You can get it all right there, blessedunstoppable.com. And, and I'm not just saying that because I wrote it. And the book in there is the same stuff that helped me get out of my trial. All I did was say, you know, I want to make something that's actually useful, right? It's not just a book to fill up something. It's, it's an action and victory program for people going through the struggle. So everything in that book I took serious because I understood the people that be reading it, the people that are going through life challenges. And, and it's not just fluff. It's not just me saying, you know, you can do it. No. There's real stuff in there, real tools, real uh, action steps, real self-assessment um, and positive affirmation questions and things like this that will change the way you think and will help you go to that next level and be the all God that wanted you to be. Absolutely. I agree. Hey, yeah. So, guys, please do not forget to check out Bill Y'all's Brooks on YouTube. You may have more than 180 channels if you include the compilation videos that they have out there. Oh, with yeah, you yeah, and yeah, other yeah. motivational artists. I know a lot of people are creative with that, you know, and it's great right. hearing from all of you guys. So um, with that, you know, this is my very first guest on the Execution Equals Excellence podcast. It's been more than a privilege having you, Billy. Thank you for coming in. And uh, hopefully sometime in the future, we can do this a second time. Hey, man, I'm with it, man. Let me close out like I always close out, man. This is Dr. Billy Allsbrooks, blessed and unstoppable, and to God be the glory. Appreciate it. Impact one billion. <laughs> Hold on, Billy. <laughs> hey so on, yeah honestly i just want to say hey man let me tell you um you know as i was doing the course yesterday when we had one of our meetings with this guy brian rose that i told you about you know um they they did mention um try to keep it like maybe like 45 minutes 30 minutes mm -hmm. but honestly yeah, man I, I couldn't do it no 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 no. I'm, it's i'm not saying what you think i'm gonna say i'm saying like i'm like disregard that i'm like i'm here with one of the best in the business however long it goes i'll take it i appreciate it i mean hey man it was more than a pleasure i didn't think you'd go that long but hey i'm very happy it's way better than just going God 45 minutes
<laughs> we were, God is we're good. Going, God hour is, 45 God is good. Yo, hour 45 minutes. Hey, I'll absolutely take See, that's what I, I don't care what they say. I really don't. I don't care yeah. what they say. I well, appreciate you for that. You tell them, when, when they ask you, you tell them fire truth music. See, when remember I was telling you when you're doing fire, it don't seem like an hour and 45. It feels like 20 minutes we've been talking, bro. we just been having a conversation because it's what we love to do. Yeah. Like, I can tell you really excited and passionate about you know personal development and excellence and man i'm this is my thing too yeah. so we just vibing together and, and time don't exist and, and this is what, exactly what we were talking about man fire true you they got to do what you love to do man absolutely yeah man i yeah like i always say like i hey i can't you know the last four years man i've gotten very much into it you know i listen to you know phenomenal guys like you you know tony robbins eric thomas les brown td mm -hmm. jakes among a few right. others, but yeah, man, yeah, hey, yo, listen, you guys have helped me um take that next step and really push myself in what I want to do because back then, like, you know, I was just, you know, working this retail job and I mean, it wasn't bad, but I didn't just see myself beyond that point. And um, just six weeks ago, I ended up, you know, quitting that job just to take a, a forward step into this new endeavor. And so, you know, with that, man, you know, I'm very happy where I'm at right now. You know, I'm having a lot of fun doing these two podcasts, getting this valuable information. So, hey, you know, it's just it's just taking the next step from here on, man. Let me ask you this, bro, because uh -huh. now, now we we got a whole, um, you know, altering course here with, with what just happened with this virus thing. What are your goals now? Let's say when you come out of this, let's say we come out of May. Right, we come out of this thing. What are your goals from May to December, man? What are you, you going to do for twenty twenty um, to make this your year? Well, with with me, uh, well, the the course does end in the in the first week of May, by the way. So, um, from that point on, you know, the course is going to be done. We're not going to be getting any um, weekly assistance from our coaches and what have you. So, from that point on, it's just having a you know, just basically put everything in place. You know, learning how to market myself, create better content better quality of content, you know, just improve as an overall speaker, a lot of different things. And with that, you know, I'd also like to um, get in the business of doing voiceover work, because I don't want to just be one dimensional, you know, my voice is my right. gift. So you just I want to I want to be able to um, utilize my gift in multiple different platforms. And at the same time, make a great living as well. But you know, it's, it's going to take a whole lot of work, but I'm, I'm far more ready for it than I was four years ago, you know, before I started listening to you guys and following you guys over the internet, you know, Amen. <laughs> you're, you're, you know, I, I say this all the time, teaching, and, and it's really, really um, pivotal piece in, in your profession here is, you know, questions will take you wherever you want to go in life. You just got to ask the right question. You know, that's how I teach people, like, what is it that we want? Like, what is it that sets us on fire? What's most important to us? Like, you know, just asking the right questions will send you on a whole different trajectory. Um, and successful people just ask more empowering questions on a consistent basis. This is why they continue to stay on course. And in your thing here with the with the podcast, man, what'll set you apart from these other people, man, is the questions. You just you, you know focus. This is like probably eighty percent of your your whole thing is if if you ask whoever's coming on, you figure out who they are and just get those right questions, man, that will open doors to unlock conversations that will really really add value. And if you can figure that out the sky's the limit for you bro you know what i'm saying like the ones the larry kings and people have been around for years been doing this they just ask really really good questions that's it it's real simple man you know 80 20 is about there's only a few things that uh success hinges on in every field you know what i mean if you master what what that 80 20 is man you, you can you can run things man and um you're already on the right path and i can see you did your homework you got good questions man yeah. just remember that man just matter of fact today bro i'll tell you how much I, I, I uh believe in questions 
You know, you see in my book, I got 400 of them in that. But I bought another one today. It's called um, Dream Big, Five Minute Journal. Um, but the reason I bought it, because it just had questions. Every page is just questions. See all those? <laughs> those are just like success questions. I've like, never seen that before. Um, yeah, I hadn't either. I just thumbed onto it. But it's just questions. It's the whole book is just questions. Like, um, here, for instance, what is the most powerful positive thought you can reach for right now? Like just things like that. And what would it mean if you could simply trust that your goals will be achieved? Like it's just all it is is just questions in this whole book. Because I know um, if you want to reprogram your mind, it starts with questions because mind works. Um, Travis taught me this. The way our mind works is questions open the mind up and prepare the, the foundation for change and new new ideas and new programming. Mm-hmm. Right. Have you ever have you ever noticed this like Certain people you want to help or something, you say, I keep telling them to do this. I keep telling them, but they won't listen, right? Awesome. Okay, because we're telling them. We're not asking questions. We're not opening their mind up. It's like when we tell somebody something, the garage door is shut. <laughs> I never you thought can't of get that. I remember that. Yeah, right. I remember right. that. This is, right, and if you, if you look at scripture, it, it, Jesus walked it out. He was the best teacher. He always asked a question. They'd try to trap him up, and he'd say, give me a coin. They'd give him a coin and say, whose face is that? And it'd say, Caesar, give on to Caesar, what is Caesar, right? He opened the mind up, so he would ask a question. Like, he asked 300, I think it's 306 questions or something like that in the Bible. You know, who do you say I am, Peter? Like, there's so many questions like this, you know what I mean? That he asked in his mind-altering, mind-shaking, because he realized that, you know, the way the mind works is the question comes, and then you insert the reprogramming. So, like with me, with um, panic attacks, mine was questions in the wrong direction like when i'd have the twitch right or something in my arm or something in my body what if you stroke my see a question what if i don't get to the hospital in time what if i can't what if i'm alone when i die what if PTSD? this what if that right i would ask wrong questions wrong questions is what enslaved me for for years because my mind automatically reverted to that without me even realizing it i was just programmed to ask myself wrong questions so travis would get me to ask different questions so like the panic attack would come on and be like, well, what if you're about to stroke? Travis would say, answer back. What if I don't? It sounds simple, right. <laughs> but it, it just nullified that direction. Because see, when you stack questions, like three or four questions behind, it starts a chain um, momentum of, of emotion. See, questions steer focus. Focus creates emotion, right? And emotion translates into action or the lack of action, or the intensity of the actions that we take, right? So, like, if 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 I'm depressed, my actions are at a lower level, right? Because, like, man, uh, it's lower-level energy, right? The intensity is lower because I'm depressed. But if I'm motivated and I'm fired up when I do something, man, there's way more energy, right? So all that starts with focus. Like, right now, um, in the beginning of this whole um, virus thing, I was frustrated. I'm on a 40 city tour, man. I'm like, what? I, man, I thought I'd dig on tour. And then this thing, the whole world shut down. Like, what's, what's the odds of that? You know, and I started asking myself all the wrong questions. Now I, I caught myself. I'm like, hold on. You, your emotions are wrong. You feel bad because your focus is wrong, which means your questions are wrong. Right? So I got back to like, okay, this is like football. 30 days before season starts. We had two a days, right? Okay. Let's look at it like that. The next 30 days, this is a retreat, man, success retreat. Every day I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to read for two hours. I'm going to practice speaking for two hours. I'm going to work out, get my body right. I'm going to write goals every single day. At nighttime, I'm going to work on my YouTube messages. Bro, I'm going to do interviews every two, three times a week. I'm going to be better when this thing comes out 30 days from now, man. I'm going to come out running and strong and hard and, and, and way more polished 
than I was before this thing happened. And that all starts with the question, like, well, how can I use this time, this downtime in a way that's going to make me better? How can I use this time to perfect my craft? How can I use this time to get the (laughs) vision back right? You know what I mean? Yeah, you're a beast, man. I... It's it's just those questions, man. Use them questions. Just use those questions, man, for your life. Like I would say this for you. You say, what are your top three goals now? Now that this thing changed, because maybe you had different goals in January. But now that this is this is um, happening, what are your top three goals for the end of the year now? You know, so so like work on this kind of stuff, man. Um, And uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Finish, finish. Yeah, but just like, you know, asking questions like this will, will set you on the right path. You know what I mean? Okay. And um, like, what's the most important thing right now during this time? Like, okay, you can't do anything. How can you get better every single day under these conditions? How can I, you know, like with you, how can I add more value in a time when everybody's suffering? You know what hey, I mean? With just, interviews like this, you know, you know, and God, it's, it's funny, good. you know, there, you know, my coaches told me, you know, t- this time is the best time to do podcasting because, you know, when other celebrities and, and people who are very busy, who are getting all these requests to do podcasts, are no are not able to travel as much and go anywhere as much. You know, they're at home. Right. They have they have more time to to have these kind of engagements. So you know, they Amen. tell us to just go hard at it. So it worked perfectly, man. You know, like with me, the way I looked at it too, I was like, okay, everything's suffering. Where where can I take advantage here? Like in a positive way, take advantage. And um, one thing is okay, all these flights they selling tickets. For eighty dollars to Denver round trip, like so, I'm booking my show in Denver for you know a couple months down the road, right? This will be gone, but I can purchase that ticket right now for one fourth of what it's gonna cost. So I got forty cities coming up. So if I did it on all those forty cities, man, I saved eighty percent of money because I capitalized on this time rather than complain about it. Look at right. and see what the advantages are. You know what I'm saying? Like we we we've been considering putting a pool in for a long time, and you know we moved in this new house. And everything was overpriced because the market, you know, was being booming. I told my wife this morning, we good. Call every pool person in the world right now. Ain't nobody working. We're going to get that pool for half price. Like the best pool. The, I mean, the best quality, everything right now. Everybody's going to be lined up, bidding on this house, trying to get it. And half the money we would have paid two weeks ago. So this right. is like opportunity. There's so much opportunity right now, man. It's, it's unbelievable. You just have to ask yourself like, okay, you know, what does God want me to do here? All this opportunity. Where should I put my energy, man? And uh, you're right. This time, this time, um, everybody's down, man. There's a lot of opportunity for you, you know. Absolutely, I agree. I but agree. I appreciate you having me on, yeah. man. You ever want to do this yeah. again? Just let me know, I, bro. They, I, I've got two little things. I, I, I know I don't want to okay. be that guy to ask too much, but I got two little things. If I could have, if you could do a quick prayer with me, if you don't mind doing okay. the honors, I could. Okay, yeah. Lord God, I just, I just give thanks for my brother here, Lord, and I just thank you for having. Uh, having this time to share with him and to impact his audience and the people that, you know, that you're going to put this thing that we did today in front of, Lord. I just thank you for letting it reach far and impacting lives, Lord. I thank you for this man here. May you bless him and move him to the center of your calling. May you open up opportunities that are unimaginable, that we, we could never even imagine our own ability ever happening. May you bless this man with all the right people to come on this show. May you bless him with the right questions and give him the opportunities to do what you have called him to do, Lord. And we just thank you for that blessing that every word comes out of his mouth is something so in life and healing over people that's going to be listening on the other side of it, Lord. We pray over his health, 
over his family, over his education, over his finances, over the team, the staff, everything that he's going to need, Lord, to, to, to walk in the fullness of your blessing. Lord, we just thank you today. And we come in agreement for that in your son, Jesus' name. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. God's going to anoint you big, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate that very much. That was great. All right. So my very, very last request, if you could um, if you could give my uncle Jose, if you want to mention him, Jose, just a little special special message for getting, you know, through that coronavirus that almost took his life last uh, last Wednesday, last Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. He was oh, on Jose, the... you said his name is Jose? Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm going to start the recording. Um, when when you see me do this. That means that means you can just give out your message. Okay. Jose, my brother told me about the situation and the trials and, and tribulations you've been going through, man. God's got something amazing planned for you. He still moves and you proof of it, man. The word says, well, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future, man. You got a future, man. And God's going to turn what you went through into a powerful testimony, man. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know he's going to bless you in amazing ways, man. Just keep the faith. And I'll give you one more verse. Uh, for I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee, and I won't say it, the Lord. So everything that's been taken from you in your body, everything that's been taken from you in the mind, and this downtime, God is going to restore. For I will restore the lost years that the canker worm make. So everything that's been robbed and taken from you, God is going to bless you seven times more, man. And I just thank you and 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 for being um, a vessel of God and let him use you so that he can glorify his name through you, man. May God bless you, protect you, and keep you under his healing and favor all the days of your life, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, brother. All right, that wraps it up, Billy. Hey, God bless you, man. I want, one day in the future, I will be going to your events. I will make sure I buy a ticket, trust me, and I mean it. And I'll oh, buy some more clothing, oh, yeah. too, to spread it to the fam. God is good, man. Matter of fact, man, um, I'm supposed to come to see. With all this, you know, we don't know how. The closest place I can reach up. you to is Boston. That's the closest place I can reach yeah. you to. I'm sorry, your, person, your audio man, we, was breaking up, bro. I was saying, um, in Boston, if if you can make it, bro, I'll go ahead and put you on the list or whatever, man. We can maybe do a, a live podcast or something right there while you're there after or you know, whatever. Mm. Go go grab some food over there and um maybe we can do it at a restaurant, whatever. We just do something live right there, make 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 the most out of the situation. I got you on the ticket, man. You just get there and, and we're good to go. All right, my man. Hey, God bless you. Salute to you, man. Hope all goes well for you, man. Take care. I appreciate you too, man. Keep me up to date with your status, bro. I want to see you take off, bro. Right. I know God's got a plan for you, man. All right, absolutely. Take care. I'll execute. Take care, man. Take care.